Hey, you want to get on the train here, or do you want to ruin another take, huh? There ain't no goddamn takes. Ain't no goddamn motion picture. You sure? Oh, yeah. Yeah? For a certain man. Why are you still in character? Hmm? I know, but I don't have to tell you. You don't know. Man, I don't drop character till I've done a DVD commentary. everyone welcome back to gundam at mhq this is one of your hosts neo and always joined with me is uh Soulboro chris guys say hello what's up gang yo all right and uh this is going to be episode 111 and uh the two topics in this episode the two segments is uh well the first one is uh going to be a return to the Code Geass universe and a return of Armoro NT. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing th- uh, three of uh, the newer offerings of uh, Code Geass since the last time that we uh, we reviewed the show. Uh, the first two are picture dramas, uh, Not Only in Wonderland and The Miraculous Birthday. And uh, then we'll be reviewing the first episode of the new OVA uh, Code Geass Aikido the Exiled. So that, that'll be great. And uh, the second segment, yes, we kept teasing you for I don't know how many episodes, but uh, we're going to be doing uh, our next installment of Pat Labor Roundup. So, um, guys, anything before we go into the news? No, nope. we, got, we got a lot of news to cover, so take it away. Not too much, but... Um, all right. And uh, just like always, if you have any news articles, uh, you can go to the Neo's Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the goddamn section of the Mecha Talk Forum. And uh, the first one here comes from uh, Nasty Nate, and this is some game news. And I know we had talked about this, uh, I can't remember if it was last episode or the episode pre- um, previously, but he's uh, has a link here, and uh, definitely check it out when you get a chance here. Uh, there's a debut trailer for the Gundam Breaker game, which is the uh, Gundam Plastic Model Fighter for the PS3, PS Vita. And uh, this, this was announced at the good old Tokyo Game Show. Uh, so uh, definitely check that out, and thank you, Mr. Nasty Nate, uh, for your submission. Uh, next one here comes from... Uh, Burtman 4 and uh, he's got some cool cool stuff here. This one comes from uh, Kotaku, Australia so uh, definitely watch your, watch your wallets on this one. Uh, they, he's got a link here showing some the uh, it's the awesome queen of Gundam cosplay dressed up as the RX-78 little, uh, little girl here so definitely check that out and why are you not working computer? <laughs> computer? Yeah. Hello computer. I don't know why it's not wanting to... Hello, computer. <laughs> I do not understand why it's not wanting to, uh, you know, do what I'm asking it hey, to do. Journalism uh, doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't do tech malfunctions. It keeps marching, so you got to oh, keep... It, it, hey, I am functioning, man. That's It's not a problem here. Uh, and... <laughs> 
Next one here is from uh, Burtman, too. Uh, actually, Burtman 4, but it's also from him uh, in addition here. And uh, there, there is the, there's a life-size Gundam bust has the cockpit that you can actually go into. And this is uh, checking his link uh, from uh, Anime News Network. And uh, definitely check that out. That's some cool stuff there. So thank you, Mr. Burtman, for your submissions. Next one here comes from the gatekeeper and uh he's talking about yeah this 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 is actually uh, something that i'm kind of interested you know kind of scares me but uh this is coming from io9 i guess there is a in new jersey in camden new jersey they're ready for the robocop police force and uh, i guess uh, oh florida international university that's uh chris's neck of the woods uh they're they're working on with um the naval u.s naval reserves to build telepresent robots to control while being controlled by disabled police officers and military vets and it's in a sense they'd be the hybrid man machine cops like robocop oh shit. i'm sorry I, I didn't know that omni consumer products was part of this effort hell yeah oh my god we got a whole army of alex murphy's let's go you know, and this this just this, this uh this is actually coincides with something that uh I've I've I'm I'm recently now adding something to uh the robot tomes. Oh uh, that in I addition I, to the canon? Yes. The robot tomes. I've been reading a book called Robopocalypse. <laughs> and oh my funny god. Funny you mentioned that. I saw that in the bookstore the other day and it reminded me of you. Yes. Well, I, I, I suggest that everyone reads this because uh, unlike zombie and vampire m- apocalypse, which m- most likely won't happen, this this will happen. And the guy that wrote this book has a Ph.D. in robotics. Nice. So he knows what these little bastards want. Very scary. Just, you know, like I've always said, my, my, my home here, it's like the Galactica. Nothing is networked. All, all of my stuff works separately. So when, when the robot rebellion comes, it ain't getting me. <laughs> Not kidding me. I'm getting my mag light and getting the hell out of here. So, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, uh, Lieutenant uh, Commander Jeremy Robbins has given twenty thousand dollars to the lab and borrowed two robots valued at nearly five hundred thousand from the Florida Institute for Human and Machine Cognization uh, to realize his vision of bringing some of the thousands of disabled cops and soldiers in the U.S. back to the workforce. They will work as patrol officers operating wheeled telepresent robots and doing everything from responding to 911 calls, writing parking tickets, to ensuring the security of nuclear facilities. <laughs> didn't, they see, didn't they see Terminator? Oh, my God. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, thank you, Mr. The Gatekeeper, and uh, you're just really starting to scare the living hell out of me now. So the robot tomes are growing, and, of course, if any uh, anybody out there um, wants to know how to survive Robopocalypse, let me know. You know how to get me email. So uh, thank you for your submission there. And uh, next one here comes from uh, Burtman4 again. This is kind of cute. This comes from the Anime News Network. Haro is now a green pork bun. Sweet. Yes. The official Gundam cafes in Tokyo began selling Haromon pork buns inspired by Mobile Suit Gundam's anime uh, Haro mascot. Oh. Uh, cafes in Akihabara Shopping District in Diver City, Tokyo will offer the buns for takeout for 200 yen, about $2.60 U.S., so uh, they're eight centimeters, three-inch buns made of green dough with red eyes. <laughs> the cooks fill it with pork, six vegetables such as sweet cabbage and onions, soy sauce, and oyster sauce. So uh, they, they, they must they must be rambunctiously delicious. <laughs> right. 
Definitely. So uh, thank you, Mr. Burt Mann, for your submission. Next one comes here from uh, Wielder, and this is some uh, some new anime news. And uh, Disco Tech has now added uh, the the uh, Mazinger Z Super Robot TV anime. They're going to be uh, released the 92 episodes of the original 1972-1974 Mazinger Z television series. They're aiming to release the first box set at the end of 2013. Ooh. The adaptation of Go Nagi's 1972 Super Robot manga of the same name. Uh, definitely, um, definitely something for all you retro fans out there. Wow, they uh, must have got that license on the song. <laughs> well, that's the only thing. They also scooped up uh, the original Cutie Honey. Woo. Yeah, well, thanks for soul broing it, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> But, I don't know uh, if you're going to mention that. Since yeah, well, Wielder also here uh, talks about yes, uh, Discotech was also adding the original 1973 Cutie Honey uh, TV anime. So uh, that's going to be uh, in a 12, 25 episode box set set for sometime next year too. So uh, yeah, thank you, um, <laughs> thank you, Mister uh, Wielder, for your submissions, and thank you, Chris, for uh, screwing up the news. Anytime. Uh, yeah. Wilder, Wilder, who we discovered is from uh, uh, South America. Yeah. Yes, indeed, yeah. man. Yeah, much, much, much safer place in Australia. <laughs> hey, Australia it? always gets a short end of the stick, but it's not uh, colony drops. You watch Dragonar, you get the freaking uh, the mass driver aimed right at you. That is true. Shout out to the rainforest. There you go. Next one here uh, comes from Mecton GM, and uh, this is uh, is kind of a follow up for something that we talked about a couple episodes ago. Uh, remember the Double O director that was accused of doing some crazy threats via his computer? Well, guess what? His computer was hacked. So they've released uh, the 42-year-old technical anime director, Masaki Kinemara, and it was uh, after they determined that his computer was infected by a virus and that a third party had remotely posted the massacre fit via his computer. And it's been noted that it's very unusual for the Japanese police pros- prosecutors to arrest and charge the defendant only to release him without a trial. So definitely some craziness with this. So and no one is surprised that this is exactly how it turned out. Yeah. Well, we, we kind of speculated that's what it was. So, but, um, so yeah, thank you, uh, Mr. Uh, Mecton GM for your submission. Uh, last one here. And I know we have some, uh, a special addition to the Neo's news, but, um, this, that was a late one. Uh, but this last one here is from a poster TV. And this is kind of funny. Uh, he, he preferences as, as a possible candidate for the 2012 Pundum Award. I didn't know we were doing Pundum Awards uh, now, Chris. I thought not that... If any, not if I have anything to do with it. Not yeah, my dead body. This is, a, this is a horrible thing that uh, you, you like to block <laughs> out and uh, you know, has caused you a much emotional distress in your life. This one's kind of funny. I guess there's these... Uh, <laughs> uh, this is on the Gundam Guy blog, and they are safety suit condoms number one through four, and they have different packaging. And you, you got to you got to see this to believe this. I'm not even going to try to um, describe this, but uh, the first one is condoms in parentheses Gundam. The sack two, which is <laughs> Gundam, the Zaku two, gum, which is the dome. Love Cannon, which is the gun cannon. And, uh, yeah, uh, definitely check these out. These are 
pretty damn funny. <laughs> well, they are funny, but they're also damn old because I've seen those pictures for at yeah. least like 10 years floating around the Internet. Oh, yeah. They've been around for a while. I think we've talked about it in the past, but I only recall seeing the Gundam one. I, I, the other ones I haven't seen. I just like now. I love the love cannon one. <laughs> hey, everybody, everybody loves the love cannon. All so. the ladies. Thank you, Mr. TV, for your submission. And uh, right before we went on recording here, we had a late edition. Oh, yeah. And uh, we we're going to bypass the normal channels of being on mute. <laughs> Post something. But this is, uh, this is coming from uh, Poster Chris. And, uh, Chris, I'm, I'm going to go to you in the Miami News Bureau to uh, go on your, um, your little post here. That's uh, kind of interesting when it comes to... Um, I guess uh, female character, female and male characters of animes, and some yes, of the this is a uh, this is, the link is on uh, Crunchyroll, so you can find it there. And it's a Japanese poll where they had female fans vote on the top fifty female characters that annoy them, and they had male fans vote on the top fifty male characters and annoy them. So uh, there's no mecha in the top spot for either. The most annoying female character, according to females, is uh, Orihime Inoue from Bleach, and which I don't think is deserved. And the most annoying male character, according to male fans, is Makoto Ito from School Days, which is totally deserved because he <laughs> he, he is scum that deserves to be spit on. But there is a lot of mech representation with uh, some things being very out of whack. Like, for example, Cheryl Gnome being ranked higher than Asuka, Nina Purpleton, Lacus Klein, Kigali, and a bunch of other female characters, and especially Frank Elite. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. yeah. So check out the list, and uh, feel, feel the rage burning through you. The rage! I got to say, though, for the male-on-male ones, I, the, uh, the, the uh, number seven is uh, kind of up there. Uh, Shin Asuka from uh, you know, Jabman's favorite anime. So. Who, who would you rank higher, though, uh, Shin or Kira? Shin. Kira. Shin. Oh, damn. Look at it. We got, put, a, we got a split vote. Put Kira. <laughs> well... If you're just doing Destiny, then yeah, Akira. But I'm going to, you know, he's got a little bit more with Seed. I liked him in Seed. But yeah, definitely check that out. And then uh, completely rage on the internet and uh, also attack people that don't agree with your opinion, right, Chris? That's the, um, that's the mantra of internet uh, fandom is yes. uh, if, if, if someone does not um, agree with you, just attack them personally and, uh, you know, relentlessly. So there you there go. There you go. All right. The Order world. of the day. Yes, the world is a better place because of you people. But um, thank you, Chris. And thank you, everyone, for your submissions. And, of course, if you have any submission, new submissions, go to the Neo's Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum. And uh, there, will, there might be extra points if we do any specific news about uh, Sir Bay, Lord Ooh. King, or the Admiral. So you might get something special if you do that. Not promising anything, but I'd like to see a little bit more, um, a little bit more news like that because uh, that th- those are things, those are people we need to know about. So, and if you want to raise the ire of news, submit some news about Evangelion. There you no. go. No, uh, <laughs> the, the newsroom. <laughs> oh, the the the, uh, the Evangelion stuff. Hey, it's all been said. Episode one hundred. So that just goes right to deletion. So there you go. Damn. Right to the circular file. Yes, file 13. <laughs> so, 
Soulbro, anything before we move on to our first um, topic? Absolutely. We got the Hopers and Dreamers corner, y'all. Oh, yes, I oh, forgot. And, oh, my God, okay, y'all. I, I'm sorry. And now the Hopers and Dreamers the, uh, corner with Soulbro and, and uh, accompany well, not accompanying him, but, but there to uh, dash and destroy mm-hmm. uh, the Hopers and Dreams is the dream denier himself, Chris. Guys, you ready? Solbro's Solbro's uh, hive of uh, dirty shame and broken dreams. Nice, nice. The dynamic duo returns. <laughs> Please, Solbro, regale us with some hopes for me to crush. I'm, I'm in a crushing mood. Absolutely. I hope I hope I whet your appetite. Let's go. Here we go. Um, our first submission is from Arbiter Gundam, longtime listener of Gundam, and he writes one d- <clears throat> one dream I have is that the Japanese make one day make a live-action Gundam or Macross movie. Like the Yamato one, that, Yamato one they did recently. Will it ever actually happen? Who knows, Highlander? Who knows? <laughs> okay, first, uh, mm-hmm. buddy, stop with the Highlander 2 references. Oh, man, he loves his Highlander, man. Come, come on, Duncan McCloud, bro. <laughs> yeah, but, okay, first of all, Duncan McCloud <laughs> is TV one, so that's got nothing to do with Highlander 2. The less about Highlander 2, the better, first of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, um, no, they won't happen. Oh. And, and if they happen, they'll probably be garbage. Damn. <laughs> they'll be more along the lines of G Savior than, than Yamato. I know people, oh. I know people got their excitement up about that one movie that's coming out. I don't, I forget what it's called, but, um, people were comparing it to Macross, the movie with the transformable jets, a live action film that's being made where in Europe or something. I forget where I saw the trailer once and, um, it looked okay, but um, I don't know exactly how it's gonna uh, turn out in execution. But people are already saying, "Oh man, this a, this a, that's gonna be like what a live action Macross movie is gonna be like." It's like, well, well I guess we'll see. But <laughs> I don't know exactly if that's going to be the case. But um, I would like to see those myself. Uh, I just I don't know how their execution is going to be, and we might still be years off before we even get a glimpse of that. But um, next up is uh, another submission, this time from Yazi88, and he writes, This is a long shot, but I actually want to see a resolution in, in the cosmic era world rather than the pathetic pipe dream of the holier-than-thou Kira and the Super Friends winning the war at the end of Destiny. Who knows when the damn seed movie will come out or if Never. it will even, <laughs> even have any decent writing. It's sad that Versus Astray started mentioning a third war in Cosmic Era while the movie was still in production, a production hell, with the same incompetent writer and director. <laughs> I, it's, as much money as, the, um, as, as Destiny made and how pop, as popular as Destiny um, was, it's amazing that we didn't get immediately some kind of um, actual concrete proof that they were going to be working on a third series or a follow-up movie. Um, if it hasn't happened by now, that, that, that's cooled off quite a bit uh i I don't know if i would want to see it but chris what are your thoughts why would anyone ever want to see anything in the cosmic era ever again (laughs) (laughs) yeah right they shit the bed huh (laughs) that that universe has just been ruined unless it's set like 200 years later when all these bastards are guaranteed dead and you do something totally different what would be the point in which case it'd be so far different you might as well just do another alternate universe yeah pretty much yeah keep keep living on that uh that vaporware seed movie guys yeah it's it's so gonna happen six years after it was announced it's so so gonna happen that vaporware seed movie well i mean they have re-released the series in hd for a gundam seed with references to destiny what are your thoughts about that do you think they might be sneakily trying to uh to to 
enter entered the uh, cosmic era back into the minds of uh, Gundam fans. Yeah, yeah. References to Destiny. Two, two, two second shots of Shin randomly in a few episodes. That's so. That's so important. That's such uh, laying the groundwork for for new things. Yeah, totally. Well, all right. Well, all right. Well, you heard it here, folks. Chris, Chris is a firm believer that they're gonna make a third series. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, what do you think, Chris? Um, what would you bet your money on? A seed movie or turn A on DVD with the English subtitles? Uh, turn A on turn A on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, man. Didn't think about that. It's a tall order. But um, our last submission <laughs> is from none other than K Katsuragi, and um, he he definitely writes. I swear to God, Arbiter, if you make another Highlander two reference. <laughs> I guess I, I guess he's not. I guess Chris is not the only one who's noticed. Uh, <laughs> well, no, he just moves on to Macross World stuff yeah. now. Macross hey. World. is passionate, man. That's all, that's all I can say. But um, he uh, he continues to write a hem, a little, a nice little ref. Uh, sorry, a nice little release of an Orgus box set in the states would be lovely. Or anything Orgus really. I just really like Orgus, and um, I have to add that uh, Chris wrote later on, and uh, I'll let I'll let Chris actually go. And um and wax on this. Go ahead, Chris. Why, why don't you read it? Why don't you read it? I will read what Chris wrote. You already had your box set released years ago. Yeah, I thought. And now it's out of print. Dream crushed. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I thought I thought they had released that a couple years ago. Damn. Damn, Chris. Chris couldn't even wait till the segment came out. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Wait, I mean, yeah, it's. It, I guess we missed that window. <laughs> <laughs> to pick that up, but any anything to expand upon that, Chris? Nope. I guess he said everything he had to say. <laughs> There's always something called eBay that you could probably find that on. So there you go. Well, many thanks to K Katsuragi, Yazi88, and of course Arbiter Gundam for the submissions for the Hopers and Dreamers corner. And uh, I turn it back over to Neil. Oh man, God, I I, I find like, I find myself having a hard time uh, staying awake during that segment there. <laughs> But um, all right, guys. Anything before we go into our first segment? I'm good. All right, Chris. Anything? Nope. All right. Well, we'll be back. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. <laughs> Let's be clear, Detective Freeman. When I f you over, you'll know it. You'll be so goddamn certain you won't need to ask the question. I can't believe Game and Morpher gave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? Fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerd ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only cover major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news, big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, 
best games you've never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop and second opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. I thought they smelled bad on the outside on the subject of Cowboy Bebop. So, but anyway, going back to uh, the good parts that I missed. All right, uh, phase boobs. Phase boobs. <laughs> I have to about say that yet, was but... not a good part for me. That's something I didn't really pay attention to. I enjoyed the boobs. Thirteen-year-old, thirteen-year-old uh, adolescent David would like to have an argument with you, ma'am. <laughs> Oh, I can see how you would have enjoyed that. Hey. It's just, are you more of a leg person? Is that why you weren't looking at her boobs? Because her <laughs> oh, legs no. are nice, too. No, it's just that, you see, I have my own set. I really don't need to worry about hers. That's the best argument I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I think uh, that conversation. Seriously, no I'm dumbfounded dumb, uh, dumb by that argument. Being... Congratulations, you won the show. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Please check our website at sbopodcast.blogspot.com. Jules, you give that fucking Nimrod $1,500 and I'll shoot him on general principle. No, Yolanda, Yolanda, he ain't gonna do a goddamn motherfucking thing. Bitch, shut the f*** everyone welcome back um and uh, we're gonna be doing a little review of something that we haven't done in a while uh long-time listeners of uh have uh remember the uh the long exhausting uh code geass uh, <laughs> uh reviews that we did when the when the show was running itself well code geass is kind of back uh never really has left us and um in this uh segment here we're gonna be talking about Suzaku still did it uh, he did <laughs> Uh, we're going to be talking about some of the three late, latest entries. Uh, two of them are picture dramas. One is Nunnally in Wonderland and the birthday. What I forgot. Miraculous birthday. birthday. Miraculous birthday. And uh, then we'll be covering the first uh, of episode of the OVA, Akito the Exiles. So uh, briefly first, we'll be going through some of the picture dramas here. The first one is uh, Nunnally in Wonderland and that basically is what it sounds like. It's a kind of a Code Geass version of uh, Nunnally being Alice stuck in Wonderland and in this episode too, we're going to be uh, joined with uh, Armoro NT. We remember him from our other uh, Code Geass discussions and I guess we'll start off with you. Uh, Armoro, what is your impressions of Nunnally in Wonderland? I need a beer. <laughs> You know, well, if you want a little more depth than that, I think this might be, this might mark the first time where Nunnally actually realizes just how screwed up the world she lives in is. <laughs> uh, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Jeremiah as the Jabberwocky, you know, with beautiful tassels fluttering behind, and his mighty Gears Canceler. <laughs> and Nina is a chef where all her food is glowing balls of atomic energy. Ooh. And you and Nina, 
I wouldn't complain if you didn't make every meal as a tactical weapon. It's not tactical, it's strategic! <laughs> Though, you know, you really ought to try her baklava. She made it with 20 flayas. Hey, man, that radiation brings the flavor out. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, I still think I'd rather eat hers than Cecile's. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> I, I don't think I want tadpole meat dumplings or yakisoba made out of mint-flavored gum. gum. <laughs> oh. I'd, I'd rather just eat nothing. <laughs> like Nunnally. Yes. Yeah. She went that I'm full from your kind. I'm full from your kindness. She GTFO'd. <laughs> but you just said you could eat. No thanks, I'm full. Bye. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, can't mention. The thing that's bothered, bothered people who've read Lewis Carroll for years, why are there two rabbits in a battle resolve with Hadron carrots? <laughs> well, I actually thought that was not all right. <laughs> So, anything else, Armour? Emperor of Hearts. You know, like I, like I said just before we started recording, if you didn't think Norio Wakamoto was a comedy, comedy genius from his version of the Lucky Star theme song or his, record, <laughs> his recording the legendary All Hail Boobies speech, this OVA will change your mind because he has a hat with light-up hearts on it. His little hair curls are heart-shaped, and he rants about how he thinks croquet should be reserved for the elites of society. <laughs> Although, honestly, my favorite part of that scene had to be, you know, you've got Charles and Marianne as the king and queen of hearts. You got Cornelia and Yuffie as the white king and queen. You got Schneisel and Cannon as the red king and queen. And they're arguing over who yeah. croquet should be played by. You no, know, no, whether... no attempt to uh, to hide the uh, gay subtext between Schneisel yeah. and Cannon at all. Yeah, you know, I, know. I, feel, I, feel, a... I, I feel kind of bad about that because back in the day when I when we were doing the Code Geass discussion topics on game FAQs, like there was a member of the GG subs team who was there and she loved any little thing that would hint that Canon was gay. And I can't remember her name. I want to give her a shout out because she was really cool and fun to talk to, but I feel like a jerk because I can't remember her name. Well, Ooh. that's good enough. But <laughs> I'll just say, my, my favorite part of that whole thing had to be just, they get into this huge argument. It's like, you want, you want croquet for the elites and you want croquet for the masses. And I will use Damocles to take over the world. I mean, croquet. And while they're arguing, you cut to Nunnally walking away saying, thank goodness they were having that silly argument or I never could have walked by, past them. <laughs> Which leads to, I think, another highlight: um, the idea that that Suzaku is is the White Knight, an internet mm -hmm. White Knight. <laughs> yeah. In my mind, is the fitting role for him, and I love that his fight with Gino, the Red Knight, uh, turned into this sort of like paper cutout weird thing with him doing a spin Zaku sword oh, attack. My favorite part: <laughs> <laughs> the Paper Mario fight. <laughs> The Suzaku Copter returns. Oh my gosh, that dude must have spun like a thousand times. <laughs> and took all year to hit him. <laughs> so, Chris, anything else on uh, Not Only in Wonderland? I think a definite highlight for me was uh, the Emperor being the King of Hearts because he's just he just hams it up so perfectly. <laughs> and you have that serious yeah. music from the show that played whenever he was on that just mm. ramps up the ridiculousness. Yeah. <laughs> I also enjoyed uh, Anya as the rabbit because she's just she's just so chill. She just wants to take pictures with her phone and surrounded by all these weirdos. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, Miss Rabbit, you dropped your cell phone. Wait a minute, why does a rabbit have a cell phone? <laughs> exactly. And uh, although she didn't say anything, uh, Sayoko as the uh, the dodo was just uh, amusing <laughs> the way she just stood there expressionless, cleaning everything up and, and posing for pictures. And Lelouch saying, "You did a great job." <laughs> Yeah, I like Lelouch, Lelouch butting in as as the narrator to uh, to criticize, um, 
you know, everyone for, for not uh, pleasing Nunnally in the way that he wants or, uh, you know, the suggestion that she's going to fall in love and get married because, you know, he's going to be with her forever. And it's like, oh, wow, right, dude, you really, right. you really got a, cat. <laughs> you really got a, a, a sister complex there, buddy. Yeah. 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 C2 yeah. was the Cheshire Cat saying, you know, you really ought to move out because that sister complex brother of yours is never going to let you get married. And narrator Lucius like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. C2 as the Cheshire Cat is is a perfect uh, casting, not just a a literal, a literally, but uh, <laughs> you know, just the fact that she's so um, playful and mischievous puts her uh, perfectly positioned for that role. Mm hmm. Definitely. Plus so. uh, that little. <laughs> Little cat outfit looked nice on her too. Absolutely. <laughs> the way she came under that tail that seemed to come out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, anything else of not only in Wonderland? No, that's it for me. Soul Pro. I know man. you were excited because the return of your man was there. The Soul oh, yeah. Pro's man rivals. Rivals is a dormouse. Yo, let's go. <laughs> Perfect, an- another perfect cast. He was gra- he was grabbing on the Millie's leg, man. That's like that's what that's where you want to be, bro. And, and accomplishing <laughs> no. nothing. Hey, man, he tried. Oh, that's he tried. not where you want to be on Millie. Is not her leg. He got the no. some nice legs too, man. It's all right. No. <laughs> Let, let's face it, Mill- Millie's pretty much the complete package. Damn, son. But um, yeah, man. The one thing that really got me about this episode are the long pauses, man. I love that shit. Like, like there were just some moments where they, you just it would just be nothing but silence. And you'd have to take in the awkwardness of the scene. And <laughs> I like the direction of this, even though the animation in this was minimal. Um, it, they did, they did, you know, quite a bit with what it's they. called Pixar drama. So, yeah. well, I mean, well, the, the picture drama, picture I think drama. It, it it is because there there's just a few scenes of animated movement, yeah. but I think that the picture drama fit perfectly, mm-hmm. given that this is a storybook tale Absolutely. and things like the pictures, you know, the uh, pictures flipping from page to page. Yeah. So. In a way, it actually, actually fit. Mm-hmm. In a way, it actually kind of reminded me of a visual novel or something like Super Robot Wars because yeah. it tended to just be a background and you'd have character A's portrait on the left, character B's portrait on the right, and it, each one would change emotion as they talked. So it kind of had that that sort of aspect to it where it was something like Fate Stay Night or Super Robot Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, I, should it, also, um, I should also mention that, like I did in the review, this is not meant if you've never seen Kogius before because mm-hmm. there's tons of in-jokes to both seasons. So this is really only meant if you've seen both seasons. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I so I highly agree. And um, Lelouch's... Uh, Lelouch's um, narration was 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 excellent <laughs> he's just a humor he just deliver just his his delivery and you know how he just narrated the scenes was just was, it's just very amusing i didn't think i would like this when i watched it and i ended up liking it a lot um outside of that uh it was just good to see everybody again all the characters and whatnot i i, I really enjoyed this this little trip down memory lane so it was nice well, uh, my closing thoughts on uh, not only in Wonderland is the the battle of the breasts between uh, Marianne and Millie. Because uh, my God, uh, I know Mama's got she she's the queen of she's not only the the queen of the kingdom but she's the queen of the breasts. But uh, Millie's not far behind her, and of course, uh, how could you not say anything about Lelouch's cool ass Mad Hatter? 
oh, yes. uh, outfit at the end. And, um, you know, the, the whole funniness of how everybody's like, wait, we, we did this whole story and there's no Mad Hatter. And then, oh, because you're, you're sitting there going, you know, you know, in the back of your mind, it's going to be Lelouch. You're like, he's got to be the Mad Hatter. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, it's like, oh, it, it's getting close to the end. Everybody's like, where is this guy? And then they're like, oh, there he is. So <laughs> that is which uh, in the end was all for naught because yeah, it wasn't even much. the story. It was him falling asleep and dreaming the story. Pretty much. Hey, who got butter on the Hadron cannons? <laughs> so that's it on Nunnally in Wonderland. Uh, next uh, is another picture drama, Miraculous Birthday. Uh, Chris, what are some of your thoughts of uh, Miraculous Birthday? Uh, very bizarre, and it is amusing, but not as such compared to Nunnally Wonderland because you've got this ultra bizarre tale that's set after the TV show, but Lelouch and all these other dead people like Shirley and Rollo are there mm-hmm. and they're getting ready for a school festival, which revolves is failing to uh, properly administrate Solbro. Yeah. <laughs> Living up to the title. Oh boy. Yeah. And, and then they start breaking the fourth wall with the narrator. And then you got these uh, Chinese terrorists running in led by some bizarre eunuch who is half nightmare frame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then they they outwit him and defeat him and then Lelouch says goodbye to everyone and fades away and it was all because it was his birthday so miracles can happen yeah pretty much really bizarre so anything that stands out good or bad there were some amusing parts i i did like the parts with uh suzaku explaining to colin the kudu kudu kick yeah <laughs> And then it, it harkened back to him. It harkened back to him doing it to Lelouch in the first season. Yeah, <laughs> sort of like officially acknowledging Spinzaku, the meme. Mm-hmm. And they actually uh, gave it a real name. What was it? Something like Makoto-style oh, hurricane kick. It was. Yeah. It was like nine or ten kanji long. Which apparently comes from Toto of all people. Toto. <laughs> I did like on the slightly more serious side at the end as Lelouch started to fade away that um, it was sort of his opportunity to say goodbye to everyone and tell them what he really felt rather than, you know, when he was putting on his whole evil emperor act at the end of R2 mm-hmm. and the way that people feel after he fades away. And that, uh, you know, even Suzaku, for all of the uh, negative feelings he had towards Lelouch, can can still wish him a happy birthday uh, in response to all of the things that Lelouch did as a benefit to the world. He still couldn't let it go, though. He still had to put the jab in there and be like, I still can't forgive yeah. you, but happy birthday. It's like, really? <laughs> well, he he kind of does have to live dressed up for the rest of his life as, as this uh, symbol of a man that he detests so much. So. Yeah. <laughs> I would be kind of bitter myself if I hated hey, everything Zero alive. Student had to be him. Yeah. So. But hey, Lelouch isn't dead. He was in, he was in that card, right? Yeah, so how did this happen? <laughs> so, all right. Armuro, thoughts of Miraculous Birthday? Oh, let's see. Well, like I said before we started, I actually ended up having to watch this thing in Spanish because I couldn't get an English sub anywhere. But oh, sure, yeah, that's well, I, I know the basic plot because I heard about this two years ago when it first came out. I love. Could have part. also read my review of it too. Well, yeah, but then I would have been then there would have been spoilers. <laughs> Listen, God, what was fun? I, I love Callan arguing with narrator Jeremiah. You know, like, you know, oh, what Callan really won was for Luz to Fraser. What? Who are you? Don't put your words in my mouth. <laughs> like, she, obviously, she never watched the George in the Jungle movie, or she'd know you don't argue with the narrator. <laughs> See, what, I'm, uh, what else was. It? Yeah, the Chinese 
villain eunuch with totally not the Mafuba jar from Journey to the West slash Dragon Ball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and reviving one of Lelouch's most awesome plans ever in order to defeat him by releasing the DVD with a little paper cutout Zero mask. And when they prompt you, you're supposed to put it on and say you're Zero. So, you know how that goes. Viewer participation. <laughs> oh, yeah. And just Very one, clever. a couple a couple of cute little, um, I don't know what to call them, I guess, sharp eye bonuses in the final little montage where they're showing everyone's mental goodbyes. Mm-hmm. When they show Nina, you can see she's got one of one of Cecile's sandwiches sitting next to her, and yet I believe it's purple. Yes, mm-hmm. it's very bizarre. And for yeah. whatever reason, Gino's dressed up like some Mexican behind her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A stereotypical Mexican. The other thing would be in Callan's scene, you can see that Rockstar has put a drill onto the Gurren's right arm. Nice. Because as Callan herself once said, drills are a man's romance. <laughs> And, of course, for all the people who throw a fit over the ending, both Cornelia and Guilford there, Guilford doesn't seem to be blind because he's just wearing his normal glasses. Mm -hmm. But there you go. And overall, I just, you know, it it was cute. I assume this is not meant to be canon because you've got dead people coming back to life. You've got a cybernetic eunuch villain but you know if you're the got kind of suzaku person, out in the open as himself yeah but if you're the kind of person who threw a fit over the ending and thought lelouch getting killed was bullcrap then just pretend this is canon it's your happy ending because he gets to tell his friends how he really feels they understand what he did for them and you get to see the positive benefits of his sacrifice and it gives a bit more closure and a bit more of a happy ending and then with the fact that the people who knew him and really cared understand the truth. Mm-hmm. So even if the rest of the world hates him, the people who really mattered, they know the truth. So, you know, if you're still – I mean, how long has it been since the series ended? What? Four years. Or if you're still whining four years later going on cart driver theories and all that crap, just watch The Miraculous Birthday and put it all to rest. Which people still are going on four years later about cart driver theories. God damn. Just just get rid of the damn cart driver theory. Just watch The Miraculous Birthday instead. What is this, this, Degrassi (laughs) Knoll? Pretty much, man. Dude, come on. People still talk about uh, Amaro and Char and freaking Spike Spiegel. You're right. You're right. You're Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's why I said way back when in my review, and I believe on Gundam, that Lelouch has now joined the ranks of Amaro Shar and Spike Spiegel, and that has not changed in four years since. And, um, and, the, and the last minute of The Sopranos, apparently. <laughs> nah, you know, too. people are going to say he's living in a secret hotel with Elvis and Tupac. And occasionally, they'll peek out through the blinds and say, is anyone looking? <laughs> yes. I do want to throw in one uh, last amusing thing uh, when they're confronting the eunuch and his jar and C2's like, oh, I've encountered this from Charles's research and you just got to not acknowledge when he calls your name and this is easy. <laughs> and then this guy compliments her and she instantly falls for it. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Luz calls her an idiot. Right, like, just just don't let him acknowledge your name. Isn't that you're very smart, C2. Well, thank you. You idiot! Oops. <laughs> So, Sobro, your thoughts on the return of your man, Rivals. <laughs> the return of Rivals. Oh, boy. Now, it was, it was good to see him along with everybody else. Um, I, when, I, when, when I was watching this, I didn't know what I was getting into. I thought it was just some uh, – since I watched this after uh, Nunnally in Wonderland, um, I thought it was just some kind of another jovial uh, uh, story that uh, we were getting into, and it turned out to be kind of an epilogue. And I didn't, experience, I didn't expect that a serious turn towards the end. 
um, in the last few minutes and, and the fact that, you know, Lelouch was a ghost that, you know, got to come back on his birthday and all of that, you know, kind of reminded me of, um, of Son, Go- Son, Son Gohan on, uh, Dragon Ball as, uh, as Amaro mentioned, how he gets, how he got to come back one day, um, out of the, after you die, I guess in that show, you get to come back, you get to pick a day where you get to come back. I kind of reminded me of that a little bit. And, um, it, it, to me, it seemed like a very lucid dream that, um, all the other surviving characters were having basically about Lelouch. And, um, you know, even though it's not canon for the most part, I kind of look at it that way. And it is a, 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 a way where <laughs> Lelouch Even though it's Lelouch. not canon, I'm just going to forcibly think of it as well, 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 I mean, it, it's left for you to interpret what's going on with this story so you know that's that's how i kind of interpret it i don't expect everybody else to have that interpretation but that's well, fine i should jump in and mention that uh, this is technically the sort of second picture drama epilogue because there is uh of the short picture dramas there is yeah. one that you would say is canon and that's the last one uh Ooh. turn 25.01 where um everyone comes back to see the school reconstructed and they yeah. think about lulush not being there and um hearkening back to a promise made from the TV series, he has Jeremiah and Anya set off fireworks for everyone to watch together, and uh, everyone laments that while they are enjoying the fireworks, that he's not there with them. So that's sort of also uh, a real ending that you could pair with this. That I definitely need to watch then, because I would like to see that. There's one other thing I forgot to mention that was really nice about this one, was the fact that Rolo and Nanali spend some time together, and she basically accepts him as another brother. Yeah. That was really cool. That was really cool because I know that uh, Rolo didn't like her at all. He thought uh, that that she threatened his place in uh, in Lelouch's life. So, um, you know, I, it was good to see that they actually had a conversation in this. It was it was really sweet in the end. But overall, I enjoyed this, and I, I thought it was a a little neat touch to to end the series on. And um, that's it for me. All right, well, we'll move on. It took a little bit longer on the picture dramas than I thought, but that's okay. Uh, we'll be going to the meat of this uh, this segment, and that's going to be the first episode of Akito the Exiled. Oh. Uh, basically, um, set in the Code Geass world, set, you know, shows the beginning of when... Britannia takes over the e or the uh, Japan, and uh, then we fast forward to see uh, the battles with between Britannia and the EU. A force of uh, EU soldiers is trapped by Britannia forces, and they're saved by at first Kamikaze Area Eleven uh, mech pilots, but then uh, a whole thing goes down where you know the the commander. Uh, of, of this rescue, a, a blonde girl, Commander McCall, says, uh, you know, we can't have these guys dying just for nothing. And uh, because the whole reason why these uh, Area 11 soldiers are being done, because uh, the EU people really don't like seeing their own soldiers getting killed in this whole situation. So um, the only one guy's left is Aikido, and uh, we learn a little bit about him, and we learn a little bit about the um, what's going on in the EU during this time. This is set in between the first and second season of the of Code Geass, uh, so this is kind of the precursor to uh, the Britannia battles against the EU that we saw in R2, and we get a little uh, shot of the how the world is, how the EU, um, um, actually some very interesting stuff uh, talking about how it was created and uh, how, what is it, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte was a revolutionary in, in, their, in their history and stuff. So uh, that definitely some interesting things going on. That, of course, uh, Commander McCall is a um, 
she is a the adopted daughter of a very powerful EU family, and she was adopted because she's her parents were exiled uh, Britannia aristocrats, and she is to be wed to her stepmother, kind of uh, uh, evil kind of dick. Yeah, <laughs> kind of gave me that Game of Thrones vibe there. It's like incest, yeah. best, right? No, um, no, no. This, this is at least these people aren't blood relations, unlike the Lannisters. Ooh. It's still a little creepy, though, even even though the whole thing of uh, being stepbrother and stepsister. But um, hey, you know, what do you expect? Exactly. Ooh. And uh, of course, we see that uh, Akito um, basically scares the crap out of this guy during a uh, dinner party and stuff. And uh, we see that he's very mysterious as he you know honors his fallen comrades. And uh, then uh, there's there is a bunch of uh, Area Eleven terrorists. That do a try to do a coup or actually try to kidnap one of the EU generals. Keto's there. Big battle happens on the freeway, and uh, basically Commander McHale's like, "Yeah, you guys don't have anything to go go back to, so why don't you become part of our force?" Because the only guy we have left is Akito, and this is the Area Eleven strike team, and consisting of a of kind of a brash guy, a, a chick, and like oh, a little strike team. I, I didn't know Vic Mackey was part of this. Oh snap! <laughs> Definitely. So um, money train. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. That's just a quick summarization of the plot. I'm sure we'll go into other plot points, but uh, Soul Bro, mm-hmm. your impressions of the first episode of Code Geass, Akito, The Exile. Hands down, I enjoyed it. Um, when it comes down to it, I, I love the fact that they actually, um, and I guess this is the point of this, um, go in depth about the what's going on in Europe, which is something that we always wanted to know when we were watching season two of Code Geass because we thought we'd get more of an insight on that, um, on the politics and all of that. We got a little tidbits here and there because I guess there was supplemental material that was out there that explained the situation, and you'd get little lines here and there in the show that would explain you know, what was going on in Europe and a few scenes, but um, nothing in depth like this. Um, and to know that uh, the Japanese are treated like shit no matter where they are. <laughs> Racism doesn't it doesn't matter what side of the conflict you're on. Uh, the world seems to just hate the Japanese in this series <laughs> and treats them like um, absolute garbage. The fact that they're still refugees living in um, squalor in, um, in in Europe, you know, it just just you know, it just shows that you know that both sides of the the conflict weren't all that. Uh, and all that uh, nice to the Japanese, but it was cool to see Akito and his insight on uh, why he's joined up. He wants to die, which is like the craziest part. But I guess it'll go into more of his reasoning as as the series goes along. But to to know that um that the other soldiers that he served with that he was that he buried, you know, they all had noble reasons to getting getting into this conflict. Um, you know, wanting to provide a better life for their families who had you know been exiled from Japan because of what happened with the invasion there. Um, I I thought it was a a, a very compelling first episode and i like the characters that were introduced and seeing the military structure um, of the eu and the fact that they don't want to even expend their own soldiers they want to just <laughs> throw out the 11 out there like pawns in this game in order to do their dirty work um it's it, i guess on both sides of the equation things are still the same so I, I, well, it's, I, it's it's easy to use these guys because what yeah. they what uh uh, Kido's comrades, they basically, their families gain EU citizenship because they enlisted in the army. So Absolutely. Uh, that's, you know, that, that that's definitely incentive for a lot of these people. So I, I just thought that the EU were a lot more noble than they really were. And seeing this and finding out they're just as corrupt, if not in some ways worse. 
than the Britannians is 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 very intriguing to to find out while watching this. But I'll, I'll let someone else go ahead and wax on about Chris. This. Your thoughts of Akito the Exiled? Well, you know, uh, coming off another show that we've just reviewed that shall not be named, mm-hmm. it was um, nice Refreshing. to have a lead character who is a ruthless, dastardly bastard. Yes. Yeah. And um, it's nice to jump into the European front on Code Geass, which got so little attention in R2, They, you know, which was usually just Suzaku steamrolling the Europeans. <laughs> Pretty much. And it was nice to see... Um, you know, other parts of the world, some some kind of strange-looking cityscapes of these European cities. Uh, I did find myself wondering what the point was of Japanese people living in Europe as refugees because their situation there seems to be just about as bad as living in Area 11's ghetto, so why even bother? Yeah, yeah I thought that was a little odd, too, yeah. And as we know from our real-world history, um, some French people aren't very accommodating to refugee populations in their own country. So it's no surprise that the Japanese are in ghettos, given our real history. The 1% continue to be dicks. <laughs> um, no, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that. It's I'm, just, just, I'm, just, of, I'm just joking. <laughs> the, it's just the, the combat was, like them. The combat was pretty good despite being in CG. I know a lot of people were bothered about uh, the show moving to CG mecha mm-hmm. compared to the original series but um it was pretty well done it was weird seeing at first the alexanders running around like crazy insects on all fours mm-hmm. and then switching to sort of a humanoid mode and all just blowing up crazily yeah. um it's interesting that uh, there is some more geas people in this series but i hope that there's not too many Gias people because one of the things I liked about the original series, especially in the first season, was you didn't have too many Gias people running around all over the place, so it made Lelouch's power special. Yeah. yeah. And I'm curious what sort of Gias it is that Akito is under because his eyes always light up when he's in battle. So I was wondering if it's some sort of thing similar to Suzaku and his uh, live command, yeah, which I, also flares up when he's you know under attack. Yeah, because when you're watching, you're originally watching the episode and you see him at the bat, the battle in the beginning, you're feeling that okay, it's his ability to maybe you know maybe it's somehow to to freeze the opponent or something like that. But then at the end when he's talking about I just want to die that's when it, it kind of popped in my head the same way I'm like hmm I'm wondering if he's got a variation of the live stuff except it's uh, more of a Gias thing than uh, what Suzaku's got so then you got his connection to this uh, Gias guy who presumably is his brother because his last name is or his middle name is Hyuga and he's got Gias and he uses a take day to uh, take down this uh, Britannian noble named Manfredi and mm-hmm. he seems to have the same power as Lelouch but can apparently do it mentally rather than having to even um, you know, give a command verbally. Yeah. I was kind of surprised some of the animation quality varied so much in this episode because you know they're doing this sort of unicorn style of an episode every few months mm-hmm. on Blu-ray, and I wasn't expecting it to be the exact same quality as Unicorn, but there's a few scenes that really stand out in character animation. Like at the beginning, you see some, uh, some of these uh, European like console jockeys, and they have like hideously deformed long arms. <laughs> you have um, Layla's brothers are mm. just hideously misproportioned, yeah. especially the fat one. And uh, I know that the DVD and Blu-ray don't come out until January, and right now it's only available on PSN streaming, so I'm hoping some of this stuff gets fixed, but it was kind of surprising that some of that even made it this far anyway. Yeah, the, the character design seemed a little off. 
with, with some of the the tertiary characters. Yeah. Uh, overall, I did enjoy it, and uh, you know, it's been good to jump back into the Kogius world after four years and get into um, you know a serious type story rather than just the uh, the wacky picture dramas. Oh. Not that there's anything wrong with those. All right. Armoro, your thoughts? Well, I got a lot of random thoughts and commentary to say, but I'll save that. I'm just going to do my review really quick. Yeah. Overall, I liked this. I mean, the job of the first episode is to introduce the characters, the setting, and the conflict, and I think they did a really good job with the 45 minutes hour they had. We got a good sense of who Akito is, who Layla is, of what's going on in Europe, and we got a nice a nice hook for the second episode at the end where Akito says he can speak with the dead because he's already been dead once himself. Mm-hmm. And, well, I don't know what else to add in just a review sense. I, I thought it did what it needed to do. It was, I hate to say standard, it, it did the job of a, of a first episode very yeah. well. It established its setting and, and, and the plot so I, 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 in, in, a, in a very compelling way. So I, I, I got to agree with you. I, I think it was very well done for a first episode. As for thoughts, ooh, I got, like I said, I got a lot. So All right, we'll spit some out. I'm one, major the, I'm one of the people who is kind of not, not there on the CG nightmare frames. Really? Well, part of it was just the the, an, the action direction. They kind of went in the shaky cam direction, the really? same Remy type thing. And mm-hmm. it made it a little hard to tell what was going on in some of the battles. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that might be more due to um, the quality of the uh, PS3 streaming rather than the quality animation. Maybe, but... Still, I'm a little iffy. Oh, and on a random thought, so we have the Alexanders, which can scuttle around low to the ground, and they're supposed to be stealthy. Mm-hmm. That Akito's a spy crab. <laughs> May cause permanent damage to your spine, but totally worth it. <laughs> well, it's either that or he's Dr. Zoidberg. Dr. Zoidberg. <laughs> Need a nightmare pilot? Why not Zoidberg? <laughs> but, well, let's see, more, more serious notes. Um, Well, we got, we got re- as, as y'all said, we got reinforced the idea that everyone in the Code Geass universe is a total hose bag. Because <laughs> in the opening battle, we've got the commander who who says, I'm just paraphrasing here, but he, he says, you know, these Japanese are always going on about kamikaze and, and harakiri. Who cares if they die? Wow. And just when you thought we'd officially reached our limit for asshole of the episode, then we meet Layla's brother, who pretty much says, you're going to marry me, and then I'm going to make you my concubine, bitch. Ooh. And the scene where Akito twists his arm, leans in and whispers, you know, I'm really good with knives. That was very satisfying. <laughs> and I did like his comment to Layla afterwards that all Europeans assume Japanese are like karate ninjas or something. Just the, the stereotype that all Japanese do martial arts and kinjutsu. You mean they're not? Well, ask him. Mm. <laughs> what else? Um, as a voice acting geek, I had a lot of fun with this episode. Akito is voiced by Miyu Irino, who y'all would probably recognize as Saji Crossroad. Oh, yes. And Layla is voiced by Maya Sakamoto, who has done a lot of stuff. But that's, Chris, that's Chris's lady. Indeed. <laughs> she was Luna Maria. She was Hitomi Ascafone. Mm-hmm. And they, redre- they redressed one of, uh, one of the disappointing parts of Destiny for me was she never got a character song. Not once. The woman is an amazing singer, and she didn't get a character song in all of Destiny, but she sings the ending theme for Akito. Which is a, is a very nice song. I like that. I, I'm looking for the soundtrack as soon as it drops. I almost felt that the ending theme was out of place. I mean, it's very slow and soulful and introspective. Mm-hmm. And considering this is Code Geass we're talking about... I mean, yeah, it I did, did too. Hey, better, better did. than having more generic uh, Ali Project trash. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. 
no no argument there. Amen. <laughs> I will say that More Than Words kind of reminds me of some of the Hitomi Kuroishi songs from the main show, like Stories. Mm-hmm. But let's see. Oh, what else? Just random voices. Um, Of course, you had the fun moment where Klaus, who is the sub-commander under Layla, and then you hear him and you say, oh, it's Ollie. Hi, Ollie. So who are you going to murder this time? <laughs> or the uh, general, a.k.a. the, the wild bear himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And I was just looking it up on a and because I wanted to figure it out. We mentioned Shin, the character who is most likely Akito's evil brother. Right. I was trying to see who he voiced. He's got, he's got a few things on here. Like he was um, Mikami in Death Note. You know, delete, delete, delete. Oh, yeah. He was Blues, a.k.a. Proto Man, in all of the Mega Man Battle Network things. Hmm. The one that really got me, he was the Blue Ranger from Denji Sentai Mega Ranger, a.k.a. Power Rangers in Space. Damn, so he was uh, he was uh, he's oh. an on-screen actor as well. Yep. Also, he was Ryo Hazuki in the Shinmu series. He was oh. right. What? Oh, really? man, now, now you're talking my language. You're no, talking my language. His name is Masaya Matsukaze. He's on A&N. But... Oh, man. We got to find Lon D and kill him. <laughs> well, you know, after we get a few figures out of this cash pond machine, right? You know, pay, 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 play with kitten. Yeah, we got pork and, lips and find drive. some sailors. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pork lift race, baby. <laughs> anyway. Train wrecking. Yes. <laughs> Back to what you were saying um, what? about this show. Yeah. Akito, The Exile, yeah. episode right, one. Sorry. I got distracted. We were talking yeah, about Shinmu. Don't let it happen again. <laughs> it's, nat- it's natural. You're talking about Shinmu. You're just, you're just, a, you're just a guest. Oh. <laughs> we can much. end this relationship. Know your place. Yeah, go, go ahead. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nah, just... Actually, to be honest with you, there is one noticeable... A mission, though, voice acting, and you know what it is. Mm-hmm. No Let me play. guess, Shuichi Akeda. Yes. He should have been there somewhere, somehow. Even Maybe just he, he mm-hmm. still will be. There's still three well, more episodes Gundam. to go. That's Gun- oh, I forgot. Also, of course, Takito Koyasu, the most prolific voice actor in anime history. No he was doubt. in there. He was in there. He was um, Commander Farnes. He showed up very briefly, got like three lines, but you know, it was him. Deal. You can recognize because he has the exact same voice. It's like, oh, it's Zex, or oh, it's it's Commander Flaga, or oh, it's Dio. Yeah, Dio. Anyone, you recognize him? It's easy. Mm-hmm. This is actually one of the interesting little things that I noted. I was talking with Chris about this episode a couple weeks ago. They kind of retcon the fictional history of the Gaius universe with this. Really? How? All right. Let me try to just. I'll try to just summarize real quick. Most of what we know about the the history of the Code Geass universe comes from DVD inserts from the first season. They were right. cu- Bandai was nice enough to actually translate these and include them in the American release. But regarding the actual foundation of Britannia, what we were told was, in effect, England lost the Battle of Trafalgar, Napoleon stormed the British mainland, and they managed to capture Queen Elizabeth III, force her to dissolve the British monarchy. Mm-hmm. And then she fled to, Amer- fled to the Americas and founded Britannia. Meanwhile, Napoleon died off in France, supposedly poisoned by Elizabeth agents, because she does not forget slights to her honor. Mm-hmm. But what's kind of weird is this episode, they made it sound more like Napoleon had been assassinated, or sorry, like they said he was executed for being a dangerous rebel. Yeah, but hold on one second, though. We're getting this from the in-character dialogue. perspective, though, so maybe that's what they believe. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean that... I see what you're saying. It does seem like that, but, I mean, after one episode, it'd be a little, it's a little difficult to see if they actually did retcon it till you know, we see what's going on, because it is, mm. you know, we can see that he has a, a kind of an honored place within the EU, so maybe that's what they feel like. Yeah. They did speak very reverently of napoleon yeah. and also yeah. hannibal they mentioned hannibal a lot 
Yes, quite a few times. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Though. We've got the Japanese rebels in this episode. They openly deny being anything like Zero. They just, you know, say, we're not trying to change the world. We just want a place to belong. Right. Of course, the real irony that we fans know is in a, you know, in about a year in the, in the second season, he's going to have that little island. But That's something right. tells something tells me Ryo and his buddies aren't going to make it that long. Damn. Just call it a hunch. <laughs> you, you can make that. You can well, mark that off on the list as a prediction. I think they got the sword of Damocles over their heads. Given given that uh, Britannia totally curb stomps the EU in R two, whatever whatever uh, fleeting victory Akito may or may not have probably won't last long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, let me think real quick. What else? Another interesting thing that came up is the concept of Euro Britannia. Had to do some research on this one. Apparently, it is people who identify with Britannia but live in Europe. And mm. they're officially recognized as part of the empire. The emperor mm. left the conquest of the EU to them. And they're fighting extra hard because they see it as reclaiming the fatherland. Right. And it's kind of weird because they don't explain this in the story at all. I had to go to side materials to find this out. And it was really confusing. We were like, "Euro Britannia? Are they with your? Are they with the EU or Britannia or what?" Well, I mean, it is only the first episode, so yeah. I, 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 I'm not expecting all answers to be or all questions to be answered within the no. first episode of a four episode. <laughs> OVA. I guess it goes to show that with these guide ends and side stories that come out about a, a conflict or war, like we've seen this example many a times in um in 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 uh, one year war, um in in Gundam, where you know new side stories get introduced and it kind of retcon some things where we thought you know there was only one Gundam we don't, we and don't there were know more things, uh, <laughs> a shit ton of stuff. But <laughs> I mean, I'm, in, I'm expecting that with this this Code Gear series as well, yeah. uh, just a little bit. Right, but I mean. I mean, before we start going off on the whole, uh, everything's getting retcon. Let's let this thing play out first and see, because you know, I was a little confused with all of that too. But how many times do you watch an episode one where things are mentioned or introduced to you, and you're like, oh, what the hell is that? And then it's later explained. So, uh, true. Before we true. before we start going into the world of overanalyzation, <laughs> which kind of it was, which is a neighbor of uh, hopes and dreams. Oh boy. Uh, um, you know, let's let's let this thing play out. But yes, I, I understand your points though. It it was a little. I was the same way when it came to Euro Britannia because I was like, huh, what is this? So. Yeah. And just one other thing, you can officially file this under the crazy theories file. I don't know if y'all have one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, Solbert's got that. He's in well, charge. Crazy my theory. Yeah, it's a, that's another neighbor of hopes and dreams land. Okay. Well, <laughs> my crazy theory for this show, I think Layla has a Gias. Oh. Here's, here's the thing. I know I'm kind of grasping at straws, but in the scene where she's talking down the asshole commander, yeah. they very deliberately focus on her eye, and she gets the animation that Lelouch got right before the symbol appeared in his eye. Yeah. Part where you've got like a Y-shaped shining of light, and it starts spinning. Mm-hmm. That was just immediately before the little red bird symbol manifests. And then immediately after that, the guy goes nuts and pulls his gun and gets taken down. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, in the end credits, they just show a bunch of still scenes. One of the scenes shows a little blonde girl who is pretty obviously Layla in a pond with a woman in a robe who is very obviously C2 because she's wearing that same robe in the episode two preview. That's true. So I think Layla might be another one of C2's projects. Holy I shit. I don't know what gear she has, but it's something. <clears throat> I'm just putting that out there. That is my crazy theory. Hey, man, it's okay to speculate. I, if, if anything, they, I, I saw they deliberately did, did that, and then they cut away um, right before, you know, you would normally see the gears come out. So it, it had me wondering as well. So. Uh, I guess all I really got to add in the end is just expectations. I hate to sound negative because this is going to kind of sound like I hope they don't screw this up, but right. I'm not going for that. 
number one, I hope this doesn't turn into what I call pocket side stories. Stuff like 0083, where in the end, and nothing the characters do matters, everyone dies, and the conflict just vanishes because it was off in its own little bubble. Yeah. It has... It, I know... Well, but with th- side stories, that kind of has to happen when you I have know. when you're thing, fitting in something with something else that already exists. Because, you know, if it, if something else had already impacted R two, then we would have it. So, you know, by definition, it kind of has to because what's come before has already happened. So, unless you're going to go like do seed special edition revisions or HD revisions of changing stuff in R two, you know, there is going to be no impact. Well, that's just sort of a given. I mean, I know that's true. Sometimes you can run into problems with that. Like with Star Wars, there have now been like 20 copies of the Death Star plans floating around. <laughs> they get brought to Princess Leia just before movie four because, you know, you've got dark forces and all that. But I guess it'd be nice if they tried to slightly retcon the show and say, you know, this thing that happened in the second season was totally because of the events of this sh- of Akito. I just don't want it to end up being, you know, rocks fall, everyone dies. It might, it might go, not go exactly that way, but I think that's the way it's going to go, that they're all – I mean it's sort of like it's positioned this way so that uh, – and we don't know since there's still three more episodes, but it's sort of positioned the fact that it's in the EU so that precisely nothing affects the TV show because the TV show spent so little time on the EU before it moved to things like the reformation of the Black Knights and then the China arc. So I don't see there being – much impact but given that suzaku does appear in the uh preview for episode two it would be interesting if we have a uh duel between him and and akito i'd like to see the 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 alexander take on the lancelot and see how that runs yeah definitely my other my other big hope is i hope they don't get lazy with the gios because you know chris mentioned one of the one of the nice things about the first season was there weren't a lot of people running around with gios's messing things up and then in the second season you had the emperor you had rollo you had everyone but the thing that really gets me, I, we discussed this way back when, when we did the question and answers, that Gia seems to be linked to personality. Like, Lelouch wanted control so he, can, can, so he gets the power to control people. Mm-hmm. Rolo wanted to stop time so he can. But, like, in the side stories, in the, the DS role-playing game and in the Lost Colors visual novel, you get characters who have the exact same command Gias as Lelouch. And it just really smacks of uncreativity. Yeah. And oh, I, I don't know about that because a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people control. don't have control. Yeah, they want control and sometimes don't feel like they have control of their lives. So I don't know if that's that would explain it to me a little bit more. But yeah. I do agree that you, I, I'm I'm with you guys. I don't want to see you know the the whole world having uh, Gias because it, it did get a little. <laughs> got a little, you know, it kind of lost its, uh, you know, the the specialness that it had. So. The other aspect of it is, of course, what Akito is under the effects of, because, you know, you can see him in battle basically switching between a ravening berserker and a cool-headed warrior. And I'm just hoping that, in the end, it doesn't turn out that, like, Shin has the command Gias and he ordered Akito to live, just like Belush and Suzaku. Because, you know, you've got an entirely new show. Go in a different direction. Don't do the same stuff over again. Oh, we can only hope so much, given that this is Sunrise. <laughs> oh. They're kind of the experts of... Let's do a new show and go entirely not in a different direction. Yeah. If it ain't, if it ain't broke, why change it, right? But, all right. Anything else, Amaro? Um, there's a random piece of music, I think, in the convoy scene that sounds a lot like the Lonely Man from The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> I thought about that, too. Just That was just me. Just my thought. All right. 
Well, my thoughts. Um, I kind of in agreement with the guys here. Some of the things that came out. Um, I thought it was a good first episode. I, I think um, what it did for me is it wanted me to see episode two, and I found it very interesting, uh, especially the the little splatterings here and there of the EU history and some of that stuff. Because you, you 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 know like like we had stated earlier, there was so so little time devoted to the EU conflict in R2, but yet it seemed like it was one of those situations that was starting to really tax uh, Britannia, um, you know, and, and kind of... Um you know, making it difficult for them to concentrate fully on getting uh, Area 11 under control. Um, once again, too, this 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 whole thing of the the, the use of the Japanese as kind of dispo- expendable warriors. Um, I'm wondering how far that's going to go if we're going to still see um, more people, um, you know, starting to do this. And uh, yeah, I do agree with you guys. I think uh, the new recruits at the end, those guys are all they're all doomed to die. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> They have that stench of uh, that stench of death on them. So, um, but yeah, I, I think it's a pretty solid show. So, uh, so far, and it's I did forget. Um, I do have one kind of one kind of silly little quibble here. Just all right. I understand in normal military, everyone's supposed to have short hair so it doesn't interfere. You can't do that on a TV show because then it'd be boring. But it just bugs the crap out of me when female pilots put their hair up into ludicrous-looking little styles. Like, in the preview for episode two, you see Layla giving herself these gigantic ponytails that make her look like a member of Pretty Cure. It's like, she's going to go into battle with that? Okay. Uh, and this is I a, killed everyone. This is anime. Sunrise. <laughs> I know, but it still bugs me. It's just, it's just <laughs> it's so your goofy. for being bugged. Yeah, we, 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 we see yeah, the Keep bu- those expectations in check there, buddy. <laughs> so uh, before we uh, end, end the segment here, um, uh, I'm just going to go around the tape here and give uh, MHQ ratings and uh, any last thoughts or comments. Uh, Chris, what would I'll you give this um, three and a half out of five kudu kudu kicks? Ooh, OK. Any lasting any last little comments or anything? I'm curious to see how episode two will turn out. Oh, Armoro. I think, I think I'm going to give it a four Flea cake out of five. Okay. <laughs> and uh, well, no, I really don't like this unicorn release format of wait six months to get an hour long episode. But, you know, it's what we got. So, well, I don't think they're going to be taking as long with uh, this series. I don't think um, Certainly I think the next episode is supposed to come out like three or four months after the Blu-ray release of the first episode. So it hopefully won't be too long. Yeah. Here's hoping. But, you know, I, I've got good expectations. I've got a good feeling about this. And I look forward to seeing an episode too okay um so bro well i i know when it comes to ovas a lot of them on average come out every six months in japan um this dates back to like early 90s with some ovas i was keeping up with but um as for what i'd rate this um i'd probably give it four yes your majesties out of five all right no it's yes your majesty majesty Uh, speaking of the emperor's english (laughs) indeed um any last things so bro uh, I, I, I thought it was an awesome first episode. I am looking to see how um, Suzaku plays into the story. And um, I'm, I'm hyped for episode two, man. All right. Well, I would give this uh, three and a half stackable burial rocks nice. out of five. Um, <laughs> I uh, definitely Obsidian. think, yeah, Obsidian. <laughs> and uh, when, when you see episode one, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, and, um, yeah, I have, uh, I'm just eagerly uh, awaiting episode two. And hopefully it won't be that long. So... Um, but that's our first review of uh, Code Geass, Akito the Exile. And we also had uh, 
talked about the two picture dramas, uh, not only in Wonderland and Miraculous Birthday. And I just want to thank you, Armro, for uh, joining us on this. I'm sure you'll be um, with us for with our review of episode two of Akito the Exile. So thank you. Always a pleasure. I'm looking forward to coming back. All right. Well, we'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Greetings, I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theatre. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you, at tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes Pretentious Internet Theatre. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning... In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. God damn you! I almost numbchucked you, you don't even realize... Welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. This is part four of our somewhat continuing series, Pat Labor Roundup. Which, we're going uh, to finish this thing up <laughs> by the end of this year, you think? Well, we intended to, but then we kept running into oh. reasons to delay it. And um, if you all recall, at the end of part three, we uh, promised to have Dalo on with us, which unfortunately was not possible due to him having technical issues with his computer. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll get him to join us for one of the movie discussions of the future. So we're half, we're more than halfway there. We're doing now the second OVA series, which was a continuation of the TV series. So uh, not going to get into a huge synopsis of things, but I do want to spend some time talking about 
the first and only arc that is in this series, and that is the conclusion of the Griffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had at the end of the TV series um, the introduction of the Peacemaker, which was given to Division One and kind of outshined the Ingram. And uh, now that that thing's out there, that's a new toy for for Utsumi and and Bud to play with. So we see the return of the Griffin, which instead of flying around, now has a uh, aqua jet booster, so it can speed around through the water. Mm-hmm. And basically, the Griffin comes out and totally rapes the Peacemaker <laughs> in front of a crowd of uh, developers and uh, arms merchants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was bad. It was yeah. a bad raping. It, it rapes the Peacemaker so, so bad. <laughs> so um, it comes down again, of course, to Noah to take it down. Uh, Kanoka shows up again to help out and... Uh, we see some more exploration about the past relationship between Utsumi and Kumagami. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, in the end, good old uh, Alphonse saves the day yet again and uh, takes a-, a massive beating while giving a beating. You mean Alphonse the Ingram, not the cat or the dog, right? Yes. Okay, just making sure. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, it again turns into one of those really nasty fights when Noah gets pissed off and things just become really ugly. <laughs> And she throws all of that care for Alphonse's condition out the window and just starts wrecking shit. Rage mode. Yes. So, um, Sobra, what did you think of these four episodes concluding the Griffin arc? I, lo- I love that we uh, finally got resolution to that arc, which was uh, finally nice to see. You weren't kidding about the Peacemakers getting torn out the frame. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you had alluded to it last review, but um, yeah, just to see it happen. You know, for those to be in the superior suit uh, on paper, uh, they certainly are not. And um, it, it takes more than just having a, a suit with all the bells and whistles to, to take on um, the, the enemy, uh, the, the enemy uh, uh, mech. And, um, uh, of course, uh, Izumi is uh, the best pilot for the job because she's taken on the Griffin before. And I, I, I like how it uh, I like how it plays out, especially since uh, she comes damn close to <laughs> I wouldn't say killing uh what's his name bud but yeah. um you know she gets real pissed and she she wails on him she she's pissed enough to pull out the mossberg which we haven't seen since the ovas the um the 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 original ovas uh, i haven't seen her with that shotgun at all and it was cool to see her with that again and bringing bud to justice and then uh seeing those assholes get caught too so no they got away again oh that's right yeah, they, they got, got away. away my uh, uh damn Popers uh, a dreamer say Popers <laughs> Damn it, these guys. I but, really um, hope that those guys get caught in the end of the Griffin arc. My God. They need I, to be brought to justice. I enjoyed the scene where, um, what's her name? Uh, the, the, the girl who's now a part of uh, uh, SV2. Um, Kumagami. She, yeah, Kumagami. Kumagami, yeah. Uh, yeah she, um, she has a, a one-on-one with uh, Richard uh, after you know chasing him through the, the hospital. And she she predicts where he's gonna exit out, and then of course he fools her into uh, uh, handcuffing herself into <laughs> something. But uh, they have that heart to heart, which gives you a little insight on their relationship. Um, he's such a dick because he's, yeah, he's, he he's he's totally manipulating her. Yeah. Then he like handcuffs her and he runs away. He's like, by the way, I really did love you. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah, hell of a thing dude. to say, right? <laughs> he's a slippery dude, man. That guy is uh he's something else, but he makes a, he makes an amusing opponent. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm glad to see a character like that in this series. But overall, I enjoyed this arc. I thought it was cool. All right, Neo. 
Well, I mean, um, you know, like what was stated, we had the, we finally get a conclusion of this. It's, you know, we, we have this in the original TV show, um, and we never really get any resolution there. And then, you know, like you said, and, and I always kind of do like this because we don't always get this in all mecha shows is just the out and out beat down of just swinging back and forth till pretty much nothing is left of either one of the mechas. And, you know, you know, you, you start off with your, your ranged weapons and everything. And then you just get to the point of it just comes down to a big slug fest. And we don't always see that in, in mecha shows. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see some hand to hand, but not to the point where it's just like, the um, you know Alphonse. I mean, he was basically just falling apart, and so was so was the Griffin, and um, you know, and, and it was also interesting too. It, it seemed to me, and I might be wrong, but it's just kind of my impression that Bud even seemed more childish in this arc than he did in the previous arcs that we saw him. Where you know yeah. he, he he seemed a lot more childish in this one, where it was all about winning the game. Well, it was always about winning the game to him, and you know he just had yeah. such a hard on for for beating up Noah and having her know that it was him, yeah, who beat her. That he even blew his cover by announcing himself to her, and we could we could even see in the TV show he was just a really impatient little immature kid who just couldn't wait to go beat her up and and break stuff. So it's not but surprising he, but he seemed, he's become he, more desperate because it's yeah. been months since yeah. uh, the previous arc when he appeared so you know he's just been chomping at the bit waiting for a chance to get back at her and he's so i mean he so wants to you know after he rapes the peacemaker i mean he's like i want to go after the, the ingrams and you know he's just ready like you know this this was my appetizer <laughs> you know uh anally raping these uh, suits here <laughs> and uh you know let, let me at the uh let me go at the ingram but yeah definitely uh a, a great arc and and to be honest with you a great way to kind of start off this new OVA series and uh, a little bit of a teaser because like you said you, you think you're going to have more uh, arc like shows like this because you know this is about 16 episodes but um, you know we get surprised but pleasantly surprised so but definitely definitely good stuff I enjoyed the arc. I don't have too much more to add. I was a little annoyed that at the end of it all, Utsumi and Kurosaki got away yet yeah. again. Mm-hmm. It, it, like, it seemed like they finally should go down in this one because it, it seemed like the cops and SV2 and everybody had kind of the step on these guys, but yet they're still able to slip away. And yeah, by it being is disguised that, as laundrymen, it's like, come on, are you, you're pulling that trick again. <laughs> Yeah, that it it does it does leave a little it does leave the the ending of the arc a little empty that to see that these guys got away yet again. So, all right. So from this point on, the remaining twelve episodes are all just uh, standalones. So I'm going to go around the the virtual table, so to speak, and um, <laughs> just have people uh, cite a few of their favorite of these episodes. So, uh, Silver, what were some of your favorite standalone episodes from the rest of the run? Well, um, I, I, I no, in, in, no, in, in no particular order, but um, the first that comes to mind is it's called Amnesia, <laughs> where Oda loses his shit and his mind. <laughs> yeah, it was good. <laughs> I, I, I love how the whole episode played out, and then you find out. I mean, how it starts, where he's got like some delusional dream, where he's in an action movie, and he's shooting he's in up some a- kind of Blade Runner world, yeah. and. Yeah. <laughs> 
all the villains are members of SV2 and um, he's shooting them all and then he uh, snaps out of the dream. He wakes up and um, sees that like everybody in the room is dead. <laughs> uh, members of SV2 like um, Shiro Hara, Hara and, um, and, and, and the other cats and you just find them all in just like the throes of uh, just, just in weird places just shot and he's got a gun in his hand and he freaks out and runs out. Can't even remember who he is. Um, this is the way the whole episode plays out is very nice. Um, I like his interaction with the cold noodle thief. <laughs> how that backstory played out and how he uh, recognized him and helped him out. A guy who he put in jail initially. That was a uh, that was neat to see. Um, Black Trinary is another episode that I, I I dug. The one where they go to the bathhouse <laughs> and they run into Go Go Thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> that episode was was hilarious, and of course Black Trinary being a reference to Gundam. Yes, yeah. yes, it is. And uh, and it was uh, just it's one of looking those comedic episodes that they were looking for the uh, the suspect with the mole under their underarm. They're <laughs> yeah. going through they're go, they're going through all these different like you know like you said you got Gogo Thirteen, but then you have all these other kind of stereotypical Japanese characters. Yes, throughout and the punk guy who spoke English. Yeah, <laughs> the yakuza. The yakuza. All yeah. those jokers, man. It was it was cool just for them going to the the field of suspects to try to find out which one is the um the mad bomber, and then to find out that it's it's none of them. It's, they didn't even. It was all for nothing. They didn't even think of the fact that the the, the person could have been a woman. So <laughs> I was amused by the uh, the uh, the penal uh, censorship balls that that appear. Yeah. <laughs> During the the fist fight at the end, when everything just goes nuts and everyone's beating each other up, mm-hmm. that was that was crazy. <laughs> just Sama going crazy, drinking all the milk, <laughs> just like one after another. The milk challenge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> took all the drink. Nothing, nothing better after a bath, uh, a, a bath, than a cold thing of milk. It's like, oh man. I won't steal everybody's thunder by by running down my whole list of favorite episodes, but one of them that I really loved was Snow Rondo episode 14 um it's probably my favorite one in the whole bunch where it, it leaves you with a whole lot of questions but you still feel satisfied because um the, the way they wrote it is intentionally vague where um uh asuma he goes to see uh he goes to his his high school reunion and runs into a girl that he um knew during high school and wanted to ask out but never had the courage to do so and then they um end up seeing each other over the next couple of days and eventually you find out that none of it was real. Um, they go to an art exhibit where they look at this picture. And in the picture, it's it's just this row of trees uh, during the winter. Um, and there's nothing at the center of those trees at the time. But later on, when he goes back to the exhibit, he sees a, he sees something that he had that he saw in a dream earlier on where there's a girl holding a red balloon at the uh at the end of the at the end of the row of trees and of course it's the girl that uh he went to school with but um i i liked it because it was it was very subtle and um you don't even know if uh the girl that he was seeing uh yuki kashima you don't know if she died or if she's been dead or if she was uh no i thought they said she i thought they said she got sick and she died they didn't say that she 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 was was sickly and she moved away she moved away no one knows what her true fate is and i love the fact that it was it was it was vague and ambiguous like that but um it leaves you wondering but at the same time time you know you see you see awesome grow as a person so i i really like that episode a lot and well, it's, it's the it's the lesson episode it's like yeah. you know just just go ahead and do something don't don't be a pussy all your life and you know and not you know and be afraid to do these things 
Absolutely. So. I guess one final note is um, All Quiet on the second unit. Uh, I finally get the scene that I've been waiting for the entire goddamn show. Didn't I tell is, you? Yeah, you told me. You told me it was going to happen. And I was waiting. It's like, when is, gonna, when is it going to effing happen? And then finally, Pop Shinohara shows up at the at the scene where you find out about Asuma's uh, brother. Asuma had a brother. You didn't even know this until this very episode that I guess committed suicide. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he visits his grave once a year and he takes uh, he takes Izumi with him and, and pretty much tells her the story. And then uh, as he's leaving the, the graveyard, he runs into his dad and has a, a, a off, off screen conversation with him. And um, it's a long time since he's seen his dad because I guess he purposely avoids him. But um, it was good to finally see him enter the series. And even though he didn't have one line, um, it's neat that his his son and him actually still talk. So I, I like this. I like this series of episodes and I'll turn it over to who, whoever wants to go next. Neil. Oh, the funniest one is all when uh, what is it? The um, oh god, what is the uh, Sakaki? The old man oh, finds yeah, all the, the porn p- crusade. The seven yes. days of fire. Yes, gets gets finds that all the mechanics have like just tons and tons of porn, and yet they they have to all turn it over. And of course, um, morale goes to hell, and then they go into these they splinter into these little groups where they're just like attacking each other. <laughs> And they have all these crazy names of like what they're going, you know, what their, um, you know, uh, what their, what, you know, what their uh, thing is that they're um, striving for and everything like that. And and then you got a uh, what is it, Shige and his guys are like the Nazis. <laughs> they're actually just oh, yes. like <laughs> Nazi like uniforms, officers. and they're going around just banking. I mean, it's just hilarious. And then, you know, of course, they finally peace finally gets uh, gets brought back. But yeah, it's definitely hilarious because Shige or um, Sakaki just goes crazy when he sees these porno mags because, you know, they're, they're kind of not really doing their job. They're kind of where they're like loafing around and stuff. Not much was going on. And he was just more or less getting uh, pissed just to get pissed at stuff. And uh, well, he always he's always pissed. He's just perpetually angry at everything. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So. And I love that despite all of the the uh, beatings that they're inflicting on each other, they're all still doing their job regardless. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, it, stuff's still getting done, but yet they're running around at night and everything. And, um, you know, that the, the uh, that, that was um, that was that was pretty funny. Uh, the um, when they the uh, what is it? The the cat that played them was kind of interesting. That that stray cat that they nursed back to health. And. Mm-hmm. That that was kind of an interesting one, even though I don't like cats. But that was uh, <laughs> that, that was that was that was a kind of good. That was kind of a feel good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, one I didn't like though was the Clad episode. Uh, oh, I didn't like that one as much as I liked it uh, when it first showed up. Like mm-hmm. it, it didn't have the same type of you know it, you know humor or you know it it, it just didn't feel right. It felt, it felt a little forced. I guess how much you like it depends how big of an Ultraman fan you are, yeah. which I am not. So, yeah, same well, here. I'm an Ultraman fan, but I, I don't know. It's just I just wasn't really feeling that episode. You, I just you, you didn't like it when they went shot. <laughs> no, I like that, but I mean, I don't know. It, it just seemed a little forced, and just sometimes I like the first Clad episode a lot better too. Yeah, it just yeah. seemed like they were just kind of going back to the well just to go back to it. So it it, it just didn't have that. You know that that feeling to me. Um, That's the same way I feel about the dungeon episode. Oh, the with the crocodile. Yeah, the return. Yeah, yeah that that was another one I wasn't kind of really feeling either, because um, that was 
Yeah, it's the same way. It just seemed kind of forced that they went in there. And um, and then, of course, like you said, the, the school union one was pretty good. And um, the uh, the amnesia one was great because it's Oda. <laughs> Anything with Oda is always going to be some good stuff. <laughs> Uh, among as he is so among my favorites uh on the comedy side definitely the black trinary and seven days of fire oh yeah those i just love on the more serious side one of my absolute favorite episodes of pat labor in its entirety is um the driving trip that goto yeah. and shinobu take oh um, they go to the love hotel yes where they both they both end up at this disney style love hotel <laughs> with cutesy animals and you know, there's there's always been this sexual tension between them in all incarnations of the series, but this takes it to the forefront because nobody else is around. They're both alone. Um, interestingly, in this episode, they literally are the only two characters ever on screen. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, you never see any other characters. Up. They drive up to the just the drive up menu option, and it gives them the key and stuff. So you don't even see like um, you don't even see like a hotel clerk or anything. Yeah, which is the way love hotels are designed because you know people don't want to be seen at these things, so they want discretion. <laughs> so um, you know, there's some amusing. I love, it when, I love it like when he's he's asking her what which one she wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> she just kind of looks at him like I don't care, and he's just like, well, you know, he's <laughs> gonna ask. I, I enjoyed the part where he he tries to sneak a peek, oh, and yeah. she's there waiting for him, and he's like, "Hey, that's sneaky." Like, well, what about what? <laughs> it's like that's her line. I think you're you're the one who's being sneaky, trying to peek a look. <laughs> and you know the thing about um, this episode that I enjoy so much is that Shinobu is always so like confident and self assured and in control of situation and always very calm, and she is so fish out of water in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's put into so many awkward situations. Um, and at the end, you've got, you know, the scene after they both go to sleep and, you know, they both are hovering over each other. And you see it's like they're both considering, should we do this? But then they both end up cockwalking each other themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fun. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And then, you know, just to decide to keep things as is. So I thought this was a very good way to deal with that, that tension that's always been there between the two of them. But, but more yet, on his side, but definitely a bit on hers as well. But yet at the beginning, when they're driving around in the storm and stuff, they seem like a husband and wife because yeah. it, they're just kind of fighting on what to do, how to do it. She's bitching at him about, you know, don't wreck my friend's car and all this <laughs> stuff. And, and it's just like if you didn't know what was going on and you just saw this episode, you thought they were, you know, you thought they were husband and wife. And then, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a there was a Top Gear moment in this episode too, because uh, Goro goes on about how Italian cars have bad ele- uh, electricity. Yeah, and it's like I, all I could think of was uh, Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> I, I mean, it's true, but I'm yeah, saying numerous times how they love the Alfa Romeros, but they're built like shit. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it was neat to see that Goro even knew that. So that, that's pretty cool. So you mean Goto? Goto, Goto. yeah. God, it's like Goro. Goro. <laughs> God, Thank you, Goto. My apologies, but. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, um, you know, for the for the end of the series, the last episode, um, it's a l- little bit of a downer of an ending, but I think is uh, is a good ending. And um, it's not many shows that get a second ending. Yeah. So uh, as an overall ending for the TV universe, I thought it was pretty fitting. Um, 
you know, bringing up the, the specter again of uh, more divisions and then this whole subplot of uh, Asuma opening up to Noah and then finally introducing his father and dealing with some of those issues. So I think it went on a pretty, pretty good note. Um, Don't they allude to um, Ota also being pretty good at uh, training people? And I guess that that's something that will will come across again um, later on in, in the movies that follow. Yeah, but remember those. It's not the same universe. It's not not continuity, yeah. but it kind of it kind of shows that as a part of his character in, in yeah. the TV show. And I, I guess there's a, a detail that decided to carry on to the OVA movies. Although well, I, I, I I pity the fool who uh, who has him as an instructor. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> so, as we see in at the beginning of the second movie, Sergeant Hartman. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So, anyone have any closing comments on the second Pat Labor OVA series? Uh, I just think um, if you're a Pat Labor fan, and you know, it's it's just it's just great to go back, and like you said, we get some resolution when it comes to the Griffin arc, and then we get um, you know a lot of these single episodes, which are just really fun. And and what I liked about a lot of those uh, episodes too is um, a lot of them were you know focusing on a lot of the background characters that we never you know you didn't get too much of in in some of the previous shows so it, that, that was kind of cool and um, you know of course like you said getting that uh, new revised ending uh, you know it, it was a little bit of a downer but it, it was it was it was definitely nice and, and, and done in a done in a lot better way than we've seen other shows do uh, revised endings. So, um, you know, I, I, I'd probably, oh, I'm not going to spoil your thunder. I didn't, I was going to do my rank, my rating, but I'm sure you'll, you'll come to that, Chris. I will. Uh, I do want to give one last mention to another standalone episode, and that's the, um, hot springs vacation gone wrong between Kanuka and Kumagami. Oh, oh versus awesome. Oh. <laughs> the beef is real. Cause you always, you always have to wonder, uh, once Kumagami appeared, like, what tension would there be between these two characters who are, are very similar in, in many ways between the predecessor and the successor? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and they don't fail to disappoint because the way that they're just needling each other and everyone else is stuck in the middle of this, except for Goto, who very wisely gets the fuck out and, and runs off to call Shinobu. Exactly. <laughs> he burns up all his minutes. <laughs> so, oh so that 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 was a fun episode. So uh, yes, let's go around now and do some some numbers. So, Sobro, what's your overall rating for OVA number two? My overall rating for this is um, I'd probably give this four. Oh, damn, uh, four Alphonses out of five. I can't think of something <laughs> to say. So I'll, I'll say Alphonse, but yeah, four four out of five. I enjoyed the majority of these episodes. There were a few. That kind of fell off, but for the most part, it was it was good to see uh, just a solid character focus, and um, also I mean, if you if you came to this OVA series expecting to see a lot of mecha action, then you you'll be disappointed. But if you love the characters of Pat Labor, this is definitely a series for you. All right, Neil, I will do. I will give it also uh, four, but not four Alphonses. I will give it four Porno Mags out of five. Nice. Oh, you you stole my rating. Damn. Oh, sorry. My, 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 my rating icon, iconography. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will give this one, uh, and I'm just going to be lazy, based on my overall review average on MHQ, worked out to 3.81. Round it up. <laughs> Round it up to four. Um, goal goes out of five. <laughs> 
Yeah, you want to stay consistent because didn't somebody call you <laughs> about, I think it was uh, that show that shouldn't be mentioned reviews where your reviews on, on Gundam were higher than your actual reviews on MHQ or vice versa? Which which was in fact completely incorrect because they, they match up. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, so, there you go. So there. Once again, <laughs> once again Chris strikes back at the, uh, the deniers. There you go. Nice. nice. All right. Well, that will wrap up this segment of Pat Labor Roundup. In the next part, which is definitely coming next episode, we will hit the second movie. So we'll take a quick break and be right back on Gundam at MAHQ. Start talking and talk fast, you lousy bum. We've been frantically trying to reach you, dude. Where is my goddamn money, you bum? Well, well we... I, 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 I don't... They did not receive the money, you nitwit! They did not receive the money! Her life was in your hands! This is our concern, dude. No, man, nothing is f here. Nothing is f No, man. The goddamn plane has crashed into the mountain! What did the anime addicts say when asked who would win in a battle between a magical girl and a team of Pokemon? Who doesn't want to spin around, glow, and have all their clothes fly off? Anime. The battle stops when you do it. You don't have to worry about getting shot. Like, no one ever thinks, oh my god, she's changing. Quick, shoot her. Addicts. First of all, I would say that my Pokemon would not be enticed by your nakedness. 12-year-old breasts and ass are not going to entice my wait, Charmander. Wait. Anonymous. Yes. I'm eating a sandwich <laughs> calling my bookie because I just stomped your ass. Podcast. Visit the Anime Addicts at www.aaapodcast.com and iTunes. From a time long ago, in a basement far away, there comes a time when there's only one hero to protect us all from the trolls, warranted and unwarranted. Is it him? Against... Gundam Sea Destiny. It appears destiny is firmly on my side. What? There stands a man who alone will defend the honor of said show for all to enjoy. You're something that shouldn't have been allowed to exist, boy! Just shut up! His name rings out and is like curses to those evil doers. If people learned of your existence, they would want to be just as you are! That name? Chairman 025, Defender of Destiny! You shouldn't blame me! This is mankind's dream! Mankind's desire! Mankind's destiny! Coming this fall on WSBR, your home for DVR hits. This is pretty cool. Just gotta keep on trucking, yes sir! I'm gonna go outside and make myself a nice, big, shiny, first place medal, sit in the sun, and have a stupendous friggin' day! Gun damn it! Well, alright, you're messy. Would you make me a medal too?
Welcome back, everybody, to Gundam at MAHQ. This was episode 111, where we discussed some some side stories in the Code Geass universe, and we were joined by Amaro NT1. It was a pleasure having him on the show. Thank you for joining us, Amaro. And uh, in that segment, we discussed uh, three Code Geass OVAs, the first one being um, Nunley in Wonderland. Second was The Miraculous Birthday. And finally, we ended it with the first episode of the recent OVA for Code Geass, and that's Akito the Exiled. Um, in the second segment, we finally returned to the, <laughs> to the Pat Labor Roundup, the fourth uh, iteration of Pat Labor Roundup, where we discussed the uh, TV OVA series. And uh, before we close this episode out, we're going to go right to what you guys have been waiting for so patiently. Uh, the mailbag. I turn it over to the postmaster himself, Chris. All right, and we got questions from the mailbag and Google Voice. We take your questions at 305-792-8324 or 305-SWATFAG, whichever you like better. And our first question comes from Philly Gundam fan. What Gundam 50 episode series would you guys most like to see? And what do you think we are least likely to see? A series whose main character is a girl or a woman, a fantasy show, the long-awaited super-realistic band of Gundams with the grizzled vets, or a show completely based on Earth without any reference to space. The second question, what show are you guys most looking forward to this fall? Personally, I can't wait for the dictatorship to begin on Walking Dead. Also, I can't wait for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and the Lizzie come back on because both of those are hilarious. Okay, so uh, what, what would we like to see what are we going to get what we're we not going to get uh, i don't think we're going to get any show with a female star um i would love to see a gundam fantasy show why the hell not uh you know these alternate universes most of them don't live up to the alternate part so yeah, yeah. you know if if g could could lead the way and show it how it's done why not uh, go the other direction do do a fan do i mean you could almost make Dunbine into a Gundam show anyway. Mm-hmm. It's got that formula, so why not go all the way? That's yeah. true. I, I would love to see that. Uh, I don't think we'll see a, a, a show with a female lead either, but um, uh, I would like to see that out of, I guess, all of the three. But uh, if they combined a, a, a female lead with a fantasy series, that would be, uh, that would be, I guess, stretching it. <laughs> but I wouldn't mind seeing that. I guess uh, my my second would be the grizzled dudes. Uh, that 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 I would band mind of Gundams. Seeing. The band of Gundams. Out of I think all three, that would be probably the most likely that we would see. But I don't think a whole fifty episode series. I think it would be an OVA of like one episode. <laughs> they all die horribly. No, you know what I want to see? Just like you said, Chris. If we're gonna do an alternate, let's do an alternate where yeah, G kind of did it with the it. It was kind of super robotish, but uh, you know, more more in the vein of a kung fu movie. Let's not. Why don't we just have it where the Gundam is like you know three 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 machines making to the Gundam and stuff, and just make a completely super robot-y Gundam show? That'd be kind of cool, I think, to see to see that. So you know, be different, be a lot different than oh gee, space versus Earth. <laughs> you know, search and replace Zeon and Federation with uh, Federation and whatever gobbledygook <laughs> we're gonna call the this the space people. So. <laughs> All right. I, I agree. No, there, there will be no female. Leave that up for the Mexican guy doing the uh, American adaptation of something. Oh. <laughs> there you go. All right. So we're going to switch now to the regular mailbag, which you oh, can leave. What about his second question uh, about what we're looking forward to in the new season? Oh, that. I uh, almost mm-hmm. forgot. Um, well, I'm looking forward to the rictatorship. Yes, indeed. <laughs> 
Walking Dead actually at on the day that we record this the uh we're we're waiting for the season uh premiere which will air tonight uh, uh the, the night that we're recording this so um this is a pre uh airing of that but this episode will be up after that so no take on that yet but uh, anything else you're looking forward to no uh, no I, i'll just name off one tv show and one anime um uh person of interest just started back up and it hit the ground running so i mean i i, I can't wait to see more episodes of that and then of course uh as i mentioned beforehand the anime that i i, I can't wait to watch which is just started up too is jojo's bizarre adventure and uh I those are the you already two saw things. that dude um not it's, not the, I, what's that I, I thought you already saw it. I thought you already saw the first episode premiere, right? Yeah, the first episode premiered, but this, okay, this, so. question, this question dates back before the new season oh, we're, started up. We're so I'm just we're backdating our. Questions. I'm just I'm just. I'm, you I'm don't just, backdate <laughs> your freaking responses. Do it as as is. What's not to come right up? Now. Don't, yeah. don't get into this funky Doc Brown time traveling. Well, what else stuff? is going to premiere that said, hasn't premiered already for the fall season? Yeah, well, but you tell me. Last two episodes going about JoJo's bizarre adventure, and it's like, okay, we know, we get it. You want to see it? We already. <laughs> i'm just saying those are the things i was looking forward to so there you go All right, Neil. i'm, I'm, I'm going to struggle to try to do this rick datorship because i'm probably and i'm sure i'll get hate mail for this i'm one of the few people that's not really into the walking dead and i tried watching the i watched the first series and i was kind of like eh. and then i heard um the second series like the first half blows but then it gets better but um i'll, I'll probably watch it maybe three years from now like i do with all these shows all right, so uh, we'll move on now to the regular mailbag, which you can drop questions for in the Mecha Talk thread. And the first question comes from Haromeister. Hi, it's me again, your Filipino Gundam listener. Here's my question. Of all the Shar clones in Gundam, who do you like and dislike the most? I personally like Rao from C because he doesn't pilot a red mobile suit that's three times faster than everyone else. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that's kind of true. He didn't pilot a red suit. That was left to Atherin. So, uh, so uh, you know, who's your who's your favorite and least favorite shark clone? Well, I mean, the the favorite is it's got to be the the man himself, Lorenz Shar. <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, my least favorite is oh, probably Chronicle Asher from uh, Victory. Kind of blue. Uh, even even more so than uh, a certain guy whose name starts with Zehart and ends with Gallat. Ooh, yeah, but I wasn't going to think about. I, I I didn't want to talk about that. I think we've denoted, uh, 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 you know, devoted enough time to that. But I know, but we can't yeah. ignore that it exists. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, that that the 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 man, the character that went full Shar, I'd have to say. He, yeah, you know what? <sighs> I do hate Chronicle though. I really do. I, I really can't stand that guy. But, uh, yeah, the full Shar guy, he's up there. I think they're probably tied at this point, probably to me. They both suck. All right, Solbro? Um, my favorite probably is Harry Ord from Turn A Gundam. Oh, I love yeah. that guy. That guy's the best. And sunglasses do not count as a Shar clone. <laughs> not a mask. They're just sunglasses. Doesn't but, count. Uh, uh, since when? <laughs> since the fact that sunglasses uh, since- have never been masks. Maybe yeah. not, but still, he's the closest. He's a Quattro clone. He's the closest thing to a Shar in that show. So um, not every show needs Shar. Shar. Yeah. That's great, but that it, it doesn't. Where's, not, where's, where's the Shar of uh, of Gundam X? He's still a mysterious. <laughs> where, where where's the Shar of uh, War in the Pocket? That, well, okay. Where's go. where's the Shar of Double Zeta? Yeah. Then um, if it's oh, him, it's in the opening. <laughs> <laughs> 
exactly. <laughs> well, uh, Graham Aker, I guess, would probably be another one that I actually liked. I, I like how he um, he goes from being a regular pilot to being a Char and then back to being uh, just a dope character. Um, I, I like his uh, his transition. Um, the person I probably liked the least that was uh, a Char is probably... It probably chronicle not yeah, probably chronicle Asher. Yeah, he was just a waste of time. <laughs> man, so much, so much hate for Chronicle. Chronicle, son. Uh, hey, man, I'm I'm just like the guys in the Zans in Bespa. There, they they hated his ass too. <laughs> I mean, him and him and the guy that went full Char. All of their subordinates talked bad trash about these guys yeah. <laughs> all the time. I, but you got to give it to Chronicle though, because he kind of knew he sucked. I yeah. mean, he finally admitted that he's like, yeah, I kind of do blow, but I mean, at least the full Char guy didn't. He should have. He should have realized that too. But he recognized the salt. He recognized the salt. But um, now I think the whole Harry Ord thing is uh debatable. But that's 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 my opinion. But <laughs> no, he's not mysterious. How can he be a mysterious mask guy though? I mean, he's cool pilot guy. Yeah. But he's not. He's not a Shar because the Shar is always hiding their identity, hiding their attentions. We knew what Harry Ord was all about. He was all about getting him some, um, you know, Kiel. <laughs> all I know is he, he piloted. He piloted a suit that was a different color from the other ones, um, his being gold. Hey, um, everyone pilots a suit that's a different color from the other ones. <laughs> that's not a very good criteria. Let's the, move on. Uh, you're wrong. Su- you're wrong. Oh, whatever. Just admit that you're wrong as always. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, terrible. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So for favorite, I'll probably have to go with, uh, with Zex because he's the OG clone. Mm-hmm. He was he was the first one out the gate, so so he gets the most cred compared to all of the uh, the wannabes from and other alternate universes. As much as we call him Lorenz Shar, he's actually a pretty cool character. If he, I mean, so aside from his Earth sucks, it must destroy itself face. Yeah, that that was a little weird. Yeah, uh, least favorite without a doubt would have to be Zehart because he he went full Shar but accomplished nothing and uh, was a chump. Yeah. <laughs> See last episode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Literally, last episode of Age and the last episode of Gundam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next, we got some questions from Fodder, who says, I have a question for Neo regarding the ever-important robot tomes. Mm-hmm. Many mm-hmm. know that there are actually two versions of the robot tomes with respect to the Eternal Admiral the late 70s version and the reimagined series. I think that the 70s version carries more weight as a cautionary tale. This is due to the fact that the Cylon were created by an alien race in that one, and when they rose up against their masters, they killed them all. I just wondered what your take was. Oh, well, I mean, I I guess that could be, but I still think the reimagining is that backstory is the more cautionary tale because humans were responsible for their own kill, you know, for the... For their own enemy, so I, I, I do get what he's saying that you know, but in the end, I think cautionary would be for us as humans that you know we got so lazy that we wanted these robots to do stuff. They got tired of it and they rose up, and uh, then then it took one man, the admiral, to uh, save all humanity. Go admiral! All right, he says. Also, have you given any thought to adding space above and beyond to the list? In that series, the humans defeat the robots, but the robots go into hiding. When the humans get into war with an alien species relatively on the same technology level as the humans, those dastardly robots take the side of the aliens and help them out with all of our weaknesses. Plus, it features the eternal Commodore, Boss Ross. 
hmm, I, I don't know about this, but it's like I stated earlier, the robot tomes are always uh, being added to, and, and, and if I can get more uh, more tactics and strategy to um, defeat the robots when they rebel, uh, that's not a problem. Uh, I've never heard of this show. Do, do you, either one of you guys know about this? Yeah, it was you, a mid-90s show on mm-hmm. Fox from yep. two of the writers of the X-Files. It only lasted one season, mm-hmm. and I think it's on uh, Netflix streaming. Is it is it halfway decent, or...? I've never seen it. Okay, Don't it's got it's, its fans. Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll I'll check that out. Like I said, I mean, we uh, at the um, at the Robot Tome Institute, the Institute of uh, you know uh, saving preservation of humanity from the robotic overlords. Is, um, is it an institute, or these days is it more of a compound? <laughs> it's an institute because we're, we're think tank. It's more of a think tank. A, a, a hardened compound out <laughs> in uh, militia country. Hey, there, uh, there are certain things that I can speak about. There's other things I cannot. So, oh, sorry. Yeah, you know, there there could be some things like that. There couldn't be. Who knows? All right. Next, we have some questions from Gundam 420. Hmm. It's interesting hmm. Uh, choice of numbers there. Hmm. Well, four, four, what, 420. That's what. Isn't that when the English drinks are tea? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure many do at 4:20 p.m. <laughs> drink their tea. Anyway. Hey, Gundam crew, it's your other Filipino listener. Oh, oh. there's two of them, huh? Holy shit. (laughs) Having pointed out the stupidity of fandom many times in the past, and surely we'll see more of that from you guys in the future. Eh, Sadly, you're right there. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering what are your personal pet thieves when it comes to fandom? The first for me are people who, for whatever reason, want to believe that Shar and Amaro are still alive. Nothing against them. I'm a fan of both characters, but for Christ's sake, let it go, people. And the other are people who think Tamino is still involved with Gundam. On a related note, what are the most ridiculous fan theories you've heard? I've encountered this one guy who thinks that just because Belter Chica appeared in Episode 5 of Unicorn, he assumes that it's enough to justify an animated version of Hathaway's Flash. And other are people who think the Beerland custom is piloted by Carrot Sticks Ko Uraki. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, that last one. Who the hell? I've never heard that. People I'm actually. Glad think, I've, I've, you know, I've heard that. Unfortunately, but why? Because it's at Torrington. Yes, like this chump would just be hanging around there. Thirteen years later, even though it's already shown at the end of Double Eighty Three, he went off to some other base. Yeah, that that is weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, generally uh, in the military, people don't stay in one spot for 13 years unless your name is William Riker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. <laughs> there were reasons, though, for him. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it was called the convenience storytelling. So, Neo, what are, what are your your fan pet fe- pet peeves? Let's limit it to one because we could go on. Suzaku did it. Suzaku did it is just one of the just. Oh, really? When everything, I mean, I can sometimes understand some of the ambiguity that people have. I can kind of think, you know, I can kind of see the side of the people that are like, eh, Shara and Armour still have. Kind of see that. But Susaku did it. It's like, really? So clearly that it didn't happen that way. But <laughs> that one's that one's a bad one for me. All right. Uh, Sobro, fan pet peeve. 
Only one. Well, I, I, I can't really go on about ridiculous fan theories because I have plenty of my own. But uh, <laughs> as for uh, pet peeves for fandom, people who lord their uh, fandom of something over someone else's, um, you know, if they don't like something in comparison to something else, they have to compare everything. As in, like, my thing is better than yours. I can't stand that shit. I really can't. Um, that's my peeve. All right. Uh, my peeve, and this one is most uh, easily demonstrated by going to M is people who assume that their opinions are absolute facts acknowledged by all. <laughs> yeah. The abs- like the double O like double O season two is garbage. And everybody knows this because us same five idiots keep saying so for years and years. Therefore it's true. Mm-hmm. And a nice little echo chamber, uh, fan theories, uh, most ridiculous fan theories. Uh, Silver, what's the most ridiculous theory you've heard? The most ridiculous theory? Well, I, <laughs> I can't really comment on these because I, I come up with my own, like uh, the fact that Homeboy was still alive. Uh, Dessel? Gallet? Yeah, that was um, kind of was, a dumb one. Yeah, that was that was pretty dumb. But um, <laughs> Well, this is a chance to redeem yourself. Think of something even dumber than what you personally believe. Oh, man, what was it? Um, I know the the big one that they mentioned is Sean Amaro still being alive and how people can still think that. Um, gosh, what's another one? You may have to come back to me on this one. Um, oh, actually, there's no coming back because it's my turn. Uh, shit. We'll just skip you over. Yeah, just skip me over. I think Sean Amaro being alive is a pretty futile argument. <laughs> Neo, you're... Your f- favorite annoying, stupid fan theory. Well, my my mine was the Suzaku did it because I think I did this all reverse. My pet peeve though is in line with yours is uh, the absolutes. It's like everything's this is this is the greatest or this is the worst since when there's no middle ground. But um, uh, I'd, I'd have to I'd ha- I definitely would have to say though uh, the Death Seal is still alive one. That was pretty dumb, so. <laughs> You're welcome. Not to try to pile on you, but you're just welcome. Saying, oh, I'm already. I, I just kind of sat there. I was like, when you said that, I was just like, hmm. Oh, that or uh, Saji Crossroad. Jesus <laughs> he was going to be a pilot, right? What are you going to? Wasn't that one of your theories? He was going to be a the, pilot. The, the, the guy yeah. who saved the world. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, he's he's going to tell you. Watch that Saji Crossroad. <laughs> I, I put on my bib and I ate that poop with a spoon and a fork. <laughs> That was, uh... <laughs> Wash that down with a glass of urine. At least you can laugh at it. Good days. Good times. All right. My my favorite dumb theory, and this one's just hilarious because it was, number one, so dumb at um, first glance, but also so dumb in hindsight when disproven in reality. Mm-hmm. And that was, I've mentioned this one in the past, that ahead of the airing of Destiny, there was this bizarre fan theory circulating as though it were true, just because people just kept saying so and hearing about it, that mm-hmm. uh, Luna Maria, because her name was so weird, people assumed that uh, what it must mean is that uh, she's crazy and she has a split personality with one personality is called Luna and the other is called Maria. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> I do remember hearing that. I was like, what? <laughs> that, and that predates Hallelujah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who knows? That might have inspired his character. <laughs> but that is just so ridiculously dumb, even on the face of it, let alone in the actual reality of what the show gave us. I mean, Really? Luna and Maria? Come on, guys. If you want to think of something, if you want to think of something ridiculous, at least put some freaking effort into it. Yeah, More than just, you know, let's split her name in half and assume she has two personalities. And there's been plenty of characters in the past that have had, like, two names as one like that before. So, I, it's, yeah, that's just silly. Yeah, that's, that's dumb. 
And we have here finally a question for Chris. Being a big zombie fan, have you played the Walking Dead game by Telltale? It actually introduced me to the TV series. And as much as I enjoy it, I feel that the game avoids a lot of zombie tropes and is overall better written than the TV series. Of course, maybe that's just me. Thanks again, guys. Keep up the good work. Uh, no, I have not played it because I have a zillion games I need to play, but I've universally heard that um, – response that the game is much better written than the tv series so really yeah <laughs> that's funny. i guess we'll have to see how well that holds up when the uh, the rictatorship resumes tonight and see if that's still true <laughs> next we have matthew Grawbadger who says dear gundam i leave it to you to judge if this question is stupid oh no odds are it is but i can never tell and i err on the side of contributing to society <laughs> careful what you wish for have you or the listeners had a robot-related fever dream? What? Wow. I, I suffered through a robot dream when I was ill this summer. The nightmare had that standalone complex episode where Section 9 had to investigate a prostabot-related murder muddled into it. Nice. In a deeply unpleasant but unfortunately non-robot recurring nightmare about a Shogoth in my parents' room while I'm an immobile baby in my cot, there's always moments from being smothered and dissolved, Bato and Tagusa were driving up to the library in Trinity in Bato's cool yellow car and singing along to their radio grotesquely, slowly, as the Flight of the Concord song Robots was playing, <laughs> then talking in the distance to my second-class primary school teacher about the killer robot sex doll in my pocket that I stole from Vincent. I think the baby me overlapped as the prostabot in the dream logic between the recurring nightmare and the new fever bits. I put to the Gundam Nation, have the listeners or the hosts ever moonlighted as robot sex workers in their dreams? <laughs> Genuinely, Matthew. Wow. <laughs> the question came a long way. <laughs> that question went to a lot of places. It sure did, man. Round trip. <laughs> Um, I, I know I've had two dreams that involve uh, Mecha or, um, or, or or robots in some manner. I had a nightmare where I was in the, the post-apocalyptic uh, Terminator world uh, surviving, and that was years ago. Um, and I had really, a dream. So you had a, you had a vision of the robot tones. I did. I had mm -hmm. a vision of the robot tones, man. I I, I better I better I better heed what Neo is saying. <laughs> you guys will thank me. Like yeah. I said, this is the thing that will come up. It's not going to be freaking pandemic. <laughs> Pandemics is most likely just going to kill us all, mm -hmm. not regenerate us into zo mindless zombies. Ooh. Indeed. My other uh, dream was uh, when I was really young. I had a dream I was at Macross City. Um, it was just a it was a silly dream, but it was it was a fun one, and I I, I like that. Uh, that that's, that's probably my my fondest dream I had. But uh, outside of that, those are the only two I can think of. Mm. Neil. Oh, of course I have nightmares. I have nightmares of robot. <laughs> I mean, my God, I sit here and I'm worried about robot apocalypse and robots rising. And but you know, usually um, those those nightmares become satisfying dreams when I uh, end up smashing a robot's head with a mag light, like the admiral did. Nice. So yeah, that's when it gets cool. But uh, and that's the, what I, you do. Yeah, and I think, I think who who is this poster? Uh, Matthew, Matthew Grawbadger. Mm -hmm. I think you need to go talk to somebody, son. That was <laughs> oh, a crazy dream. <laughs> it's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm just saying. I think you got a lot of got a lot of things going on in that old mind there. So there you go. All right. Uh, I sometimes, if I've worked on MHQ uh, way too much late into the night, I have had robot dreams, mm -hmm. which is to be expected. So uh, that has happened. Nice. Killing, killing robots or just what are you what are you Piloting doing? 
I don't remember. Hey, there you uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> Mystery. <laughs> Next, we have Kei Katsuragi, who says, edit, my original question sucked. Well, I'm glad you realized that. Oh, <laughs> Damn. Damn. <laughs> hey, he said it, not me. Yeah. So, do you guys like Titania? Will it be... Will it ever be finished? The anime and the light novel series. Well, uh, Titania or Titania, whatever the hell it is, uh, is from the same. It's a novel series from the same guy who did Legend of the Galactic Heroes, and is mm-hmm. sort of in the same style. Yeah. Unfortunately, he never finished the novels, and the last one was written in 1991. Mm. And then there was a 26 episode TV series that was based on it, but changed a lot of stuff and made up things because obviously it's an incomplete story. Mm-hmm. And I would have to say, judge both as its own story as well as in comparison to Galactic Heroes, uh, the anime is horrible. Ooh. It goes nowhere because there's not enough material for it to go by, and they just stumbled into a very disappointing ending. The you got all of this politics of like. Um, you know, sort of this royal family and they have this empire and you have, you know, this opposing group, very much like Galactic Heroes. And, um, you know, the main character on the uh, non-Empire side, uh, Fon Hulick, is sort of just like an even lazier young Wenli mm-hmm. who just kind of stumbled into uh, victory and a powerful position. And he's just not that interesting. What I do like uh, on the side of the Titania family you have a lot of dueling uh, personalities and a lot of people who are in for things for their own benefit. So they're kind of a lot like the zombies. Yeah. Right. And the one character who I thought was very interesting uh, was Juicelin, the uh, one of the younger guys, uh, red-haired dude. Just a very interesting character, uh, very tactical thinker, very political thinker. He always thinks a few moves ahead and always watches what he does. And he was the most interesting. There's, you know, there's some idiots. There's, uh, there's a Dozel-like character. There's an effeminate Garma type. So you have all of these dueling personalities and dueling agendas. But I thought he was the most interesting so i've not read the books but given that it's been 21 years uh, i doubt this guy's ever going to finish them why why at this point sort of why bother (laughs) yeah to a point do you even want him to because the same yeah it may not it may be garbage i mean careful what you wish for people i don't know how good the novels though are so you know the tv show just should never been made and it's a shame that it's the last uh thing directed by um Noboru Ishiguro before he died. Mm-hmm. After he had already done, you know, Galactic Heroes, which was a much better series. So the fact that this is his last thing is uh, a little bit of a dent on an otherwise very good career. Man. All right. So our next question comes from Zavalor, who says, Zavalor says hello from behind the Great Firewall once more. <laughs> What's the Great Firewall? I don't know. The Great Firewall of China? <laughs> Oh, who knows? That firewall. Okay. I know my last question was really petty and stupid, so much that I didn't listen to the episode in which it aired. I love how I these can't. people are like crapping on their own questions now. This is hilarious. <laughs> they do it so we don't have to. God, uh, if we could get Japan to come to this realization oh, about damn. some of his things. But I can't resist asking this next one. What are your, each of your thoughts on the possibility of a Gundam series revolving solely around the lives of those affected by the war in-universe? A small ensemble cast of civilians from all kinds of perspectives towards the war, whether it be the typical Earthnoids, Spacenoids, or even observing neutrals. It would never show any mobile suits in their entirety, possibly only shadows or silhouettes. Emphasis would be placed on the human aspect. 
Gundam series have mostly emphasized the psychological strain on combatants themselves with the, eh, war is bad, guys, in a DK voice, <laughs> and having friends and family killed. Nothing much is expanded in the area of civilians. There have been, of course, scenes depicting the consequences of warfare on civilians. Post-break-the-world rescue ops and stargazer, mother and child dying all the time. Oh, yeah. But never gone into detail. For example, how would the civilians of the winning side feel about the Gundam and its role in the war? Conversely, how would the losing side's civilians react to the machine as decimating their forces the gundam could embody the hopes and hatred of the people and of course this would never happen because bandai would say no the lack of prospective merchandising available <laughs> many thanks many apologies Zavor. well uh i think you answered your own question in too many words <laughs> <laughs> I, I would point your own attention back to the line um it would never show any mobile suits in their entirety, possibly only shadows or silhouettes. Yeah, you, you, again, you just answered your own question. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's, he's talking about, like, the civilians, like, during the war. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, they go through stuff, but, I mean, let's be honest, not probably the most exciting stuff to really watch. I mean, we don't... They don't make World War II movies about the, the home front here in the United States. You know, oh, no, we... We ran out of ration coupons for beef this week. You know, it's that that that's yeah. about. And how, yeah. As far as other things go, you know, like Federation, where they th what, what will they think about the Gundam? Uh, they're gonna like it because it's helping their side win. And what are the Zeon gonna think? They're gonna hate it because it's killing their guys. <laughs> There's not much more to it than that. Now, I would like. I mean, and maybe this would be something similar to what he's asking, but I I would love to see the stuff that's going on after like the conclusion of the uh, one year war. I mean, you know, maybe right at the armistice and then, you know, the Federation having to uh, do mop up operations and some of the stuff like that. And some of the um, maybe some of the back and forth when it comes to the, the armistice and all that, that would be kind of interesting. And, and you know, maybe showing how all the, 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 you know, the remnants of Zeon or, uh, their decisions they made and, and stuff like that. But, you know, when it comes to them, I guess we did get parts of that when it comes to some of the mangas and, you know, like uh, Stardust Memories and stuff. But, I mean, the initial post-war, that might be kind of interesting, you know? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, kind of that maneuvering back and forth and seeing maybe some of the traitor turncoats within, you know, the Xeon being like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll help do this. And, you know, but and, and maybe the Federation making the hard decisions of, yeah, these guys are traitorous bastards, but we, or, you know, are treacherous people, but we need... We need them for the sake of getting these people under control and stuff mm -hmm. like that. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just kind of, uh, that might be interesting. But, yeah, I mean, we got that with War in the Pocket, though, didn't we? Kind yeah. of. I mean, <laughs> well, we did because, yeah. you know, the uh, these little kids in this school, they thought that uh, the Federation was awesome and that only losers supported the Zeeks because the Zeeks were attacking them and were bad dudes. Yeah. yeah. And we also got we also got pilots and and people actually piloting mobile suits in it <laughs> as as well. So um, but yeah, they were more average game. when it came to average people yeah. though. But all um, right, I as for me, um, 
I, I would love to see something. I think UC is rich enough to have some behind the scenes stories where, you know, you know, wars are fought by people. And I, I really, think they, you got, exactly. <laughs> wars are fought by average people for the most Less part. And I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, an interesting story being built around, you know, people being on the battlefront or civilians being caught up in, um, you know, effed up situations where, you know, they have to fight to survive. I, I, I think that could be cool. And our, our political drama where you find out how the sausage is made for uh, uh, the one year war or something like that, where, you know, you get to see some of the behind the scenes politic and that that went on during that. I wouldn't mind seeing that. So, no, that's my but answer. You're short. Gonna, you're still going to have to interlace it, though, with battle sure. stuff. I mean, because sure. you got something like Galactic Heroes, which had all of that mm-hmm. political intrigue and everything. But yet there was I mean, there'd be episodes where there'd be nothing but the political intrigue, all the stuff in the background. But yet they still had to show some battles. And, yeah. you know, because that 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 is kind of reinforcing, you know, the, the, the decisions that these people make and stuff and, and things like that. So I, I wouldn't want to shy away from that. I, w- I would just have that as, a, as the backdrop. You know, no name pilots. You know, if, if you have any name pilots, you know, they're, they're using average suits. Um, as opposed to titular suits like the like anything Gundam or anything that's a Gundam, so I I would like to see something along the lines of that, but of course that won't happen. <laughs> All right, and our last questions come from Varnus, who says number one. Have you guys ever heard of the game Project Silphied? It's a space combat simulator game that was developed by SETA and Game Arts. It featured a space opera story, kind of similar to the original Gundam Seed anime, except the weapons of war are starfighters instead of mobile suits, and there isn't any racial differences between the opposing sides. For example, natural versus coordinators. Although, I wouldn't be surprised if you guys haven't seen or heard of it since the game was only released on the 360. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's... it's similar to Gundam Seed, except for all these major points where it's different, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I played it a little bit. I actually borrowed it from one of the store, one of the video game stores I used to work for, and um, I played the first opening stages. I, I, I think the game is cool, especially since it's a, a pretty nice shooter, and there was, a, I believe, a Silpede game that came before it um, on, on the PlayStation, but I, I could be wrong about that, but I never played that one. But Project Sophie, I played for a little bit, and I thought it was pretty cool, especially since it's one of the last few Game Arts, play, game arts games I ever played. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a nice game. I have uh, heard of it, but I've not played it for obvious reasons, being that I don't have a 360. <laughs> oh, I, I have a 360. I, I have heard of it, but I never played it. So Number two, if General Hate were to retire and the three of you were to select his retirement home, where would you send him? carry on with the awesome show guys whoa 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 whoa! i I need to take this uh the general he is much like a u.s supreme court justice he's in there forever just the general would never retire and and of course even if the general was to die one day his hate would live on because the the hate force you know because the you would feel him be part of that stream of consciousness. So, um, well, the the general's hate is eternal, so he will yeah. never retire. Mm. Yeah, it's just how dare you say these this, things. This is a man whose hate is so burning that he even hates upon himself. Well, <laughs> word. I'll, I'll word. share with you all a uh, a story from the chronicles of the general's hatred. My God. So the general was recently watching Enterprise on Netflix. Oh. And um, he refuses to watch the last episode, which is the Riker holodeck episode, mm-hmm. because he thinks it's horrible, and it is. <laughs> so I said to him, uh, "Why? So you have on Netflix all of these red bars for all four seasons that you finished all of these episodes, except for the last one?" And he goes, "Yep." 
And he said, I was thinking of removing it from my instant queue because I have all this other stuff to watch, but I'm just going to leave it there to, to hate on myself and remind me of how much I hate the last episode. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> but I thought he was about educated hate, man. He's already seen it before. Oh, he, oh, he's seen it. Oh, okay. All right. He's seen it before, but he refuses to rewatch it. Oh, oh okay. Well, so, I, I, and he's yeah. he's gonna leave it in his instant queue just to troll himself, even though <laughs> no one else will ever know about this. Well, now people will because they've heard me tell the story. But yeah. you know, it being on his Netflix queue doesn't bother anyone except him. Nice. But he'll leave it there anyway. Nice. Nice. Well, I, I know I know where I would retire, General Hate Man, to hell, so he could he he can he can hate on Satan. <laughs> And take his I, I rifle, play, I, take his rifle place on his throne. I think he get, I think he get kicked out for being too hateful. Oh <laughs> man, ultimate hate, ultimate. <laughs> that is hilarious. So he's leaving that stuff on his institute <laughs> to troll himself. That's yes. awesome. <laughs> this is a man whose hate has stretched so far outward that all he has left is to turn inward. Man, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> breaking physics with his hate. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's funny too because you know people have heard him on you know Gundam and, and then you know of course the Hater Cast and stuff, and you know that, that that's only a, a, a you know a moment in time. And I know Chris knows him a lot better than me or Solbro does, but you know even the even the short times that we've been around him, more you know in extended periods, this is a very hateful man. Like, <laughs> the fact that we sit here and say that he's very hateful, we're not exaggerating <laughs> in any way, shape, or form here. That this uh, <laughs> that his hatred that he's this hateful because man, awesome. he is <laughs> raising levels of hate every day. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Grinding. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Man. All right, and that will uh, wrap up the mailbag, so I will turn it back to Solbro. Well, well, all right. Well, fellas, any last words before we uh, close this out? I have some uh, some birthdays to mention. Please do. Please do. Well, it's it's October, so that uh, means it's uh, happy birthday, Macross 30th anniversary. Yeah, I, 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 um, I noticed there's a, a crazy coincidence. Um, <laughs> my wife is born on the same exact day as uh as as Macross aired in Japan. So that that freaked me out a little bit to know that and and uh, realize that on that day that Macross also aired is, is a pretty neat coincidence. So um holy shit man, I can't believe it's been 30 years. That kind of matches uh, me being born on the day that the first episode of a day on aired. Yeah, that's right. That's right, man. You share your birthday with uh with another epic series. So that's cool. So, uh, yeah, happy birthday to Matt Cross. And in case you had not been aware of that, well, Arbiter will make sure on the Facebook group that you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. He, I'm, not even, will, I'm not even on the Facebook group, and I, I, can, I can feel the Matt Cross references. He will be damn sure that you know about that. <laughs> oh Speaking of Matt Cross, uh, there's a, a big convention for uh, Matt Cross in uh, Southern California in the L.A. area. I, I forget where. Is it Arcadia, I think? Um it happens on the 21st of October, and if you go to macrossworld.com, uh, you can get more details on it. Uh, it's, it's happening. Uh, Maria Jima will be there, the voice of Minmay. So um, if you ever want to meet her and you live in that part of uh, the States, you can definitely go to that convention. Also, uh, it being the birthday of Macross, our friends at uh, Japanator 
Hotshot.com have been celebrating for an entire week. Uh, Hiroko has been making posts about uh, Macross music and Macross idols, and Ooh. Pedro wrote a post with his uh, top 10 favorite Valkyries from nice. across the franchise. So head on over there and check that out. Uh, some other birthdays. Uh, it's uh, happy fifth anniversary to Gundam 00. Oh, wow. Has it been that long? Jesus. It has been that long, which means by extension, happy fifth birthday to us. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, rather to you guys, because at this point, five years ago, I wasn't part of the, go- the show yet. But yeah, shortly afterwards. Yeah, when did you come on? I know, like, it was episode, after, but... Episode like, four. Episode well, four. Well, what month is that, though? I believe December. Somewhere somewhere around December. I have to go and look at the uh, episode list, but it, it'd have to be about, uh, you know, going into the second month of Gundam. So, oh, the good old days. Oh, good? Man, I, I, miss, <laughs> I miss the days of... Um, of uh, three-hour-long uh, Gundam Double Overviews. <laughs> <laughs> they were still here last episode. <laughs> we went over all of uh, all of age. My God, that episode broke three hours. Yeah, but that 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 was that was that was that the was exception rather than the rule. No doubt, yeah. no doubt. It used to be the regular diet. <laughs> what, what, what was that? What was that? Uh, to take the the bandaid off quickly? Yes, to rip the bandaid off rather than just uh, slowly pull it off and rip all the hairs out. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, five years of Gundam. I can scarcely believe it. October 7th, I believe, is when, uh, is when the first episode premiered. It's somewhere in the, the, second, the first or second week of October when the first episode dropped. So, yeah, man, happy birthday to us. Holy shit. Yeah, so send your gifts. Indeed. Yes. My, my Amazon wish list is out there. Yeah, yes. so is mine. Send me stuff. <laughs> Just email me and I'll give you my PayPal account so you can deposit some funds. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Will that will that be used to buy supplies for the uh, for the Robopocalypse? I can neither confirm nor deny that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried about you two bastards. Because I know Chris has got he thinks he's he's going to get one over on the robots, but the robots are too they're too shifty themselves. And Solbro will be easy because the, they'll he'll be tricked like those poor people in. Um, and the book Robo Apocalypse, they'll just be like somebody will call him up, and say, "Hey, there's there's new uh, there's a uh, Daigo is going to be at a he's going to be at your house. Why don't you just go down there?" And then he'd go down there, and then he's going to get ch- chopped up by like an elevator or something like that. You so, bet. Yeah. You bet. No, oh, no it, won't, be- it won't. It won't even go that far. I'll get caught up in the initial nuking. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. They don't nuke in this one. Oh man, they don't. Oh, they they trick. They trick people. You know that's the initial volley of the Robopocalypse. Well, that Robopoc- is that is that, that is one. That's mm-hmm. one um, scenario. That's oh, yeah. yeah. That that we know that one. That scenario, but <laughs> well, there's also, other ones. We we have to plan for everything. It's something you know. You've heard of scenario planning, so we're going to be. There's many different avenues that we have. Indeed, indeed. And and I do have uh, mm-hmm. one shout out to make. Go for mm-hmm. it. Well, um, but by all means, we might as well go into the shout outs. And uh, Chris, you can go ahead and kick that off. Well, if you are a child of the 80s and you like 8-bit video games and you like fun and awesome things, I would highly recommend that you check out the new retro game, Retro City Rampage, which mm-hmm. is an 8-bit uh, open world crime game, sort of similar to the first two Grand Theft Autos in the same overhead style, but uh, full of lots of crazy gameplay elements and references to 80s pop culture with uh, very good humorous writing and um, as a bonus lots of um, hidden playable characters including uh, people from uh, Destructoid a lot of our friends over there as well as um, 
hidden characters from uh, Team Meat and uh, Mojang and all these other game developers. So check out that game. It's available on Steam. It's available on uh, PS3 and Vita, and it's coming soon to XBLA and WiiWare. I would recommend the PS3 version because as a bonus, if you have a Vita, when you buy the PS3 version, it gives you both versions for the same for, for one. Oh, wow. And you can uh, cross-save your gameplay between the two versions. Oh, snap. That's yes. pretty cool. So for 15 bucks, you get two copies of a game for two systems, and you can cross-play your save file. Hmm. That is very badass, man. They really want they really want to move some Vita units. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Um, Check it out. And the soundtrack is really cool, too, if you like uh, 8-bit uh, chiptune-type stuff. And it is available. You can purchase it. It's on Bandcamp. So check all that out. Retro City Rampage. Good stuff. I've been playing it uh, endlessly for the past few days. Dope. Yeah, man. Oh, definitely. Well, I, I've got one quick shout-out uh, to people who I actually gave shout-outs to last episode. Uh, Mitsugi and Chiaki from Anime Addicts Anonymous. They just recently got engaged, so I wanted to give them a, a quick shout-out and congratulations on that. Um, you can, of course, check their podcast out at aaapodcast.com. And uh, I also have a very big shout-out uh, to someone who's very dear to not only this podcast but to Shinjuku Station and to uh, myself and Neo and Chris. Um, I, we want to give a shout-out to The Wonder who also is known as Boy Wonder uh, from uh, Flip the Script. And Bill Whipton. Who is also very good friends with Bill Whipton. Very good that's, friends. He's the one who introduced us to Bill Whipton. So uh, that's another reason that uh, we such, celebrate Such it. good friends that sometimes it's hard to tell the two apart. It really uh, is, right? <laughs> they're very they're very much alike. They, yeah, it's kind of weird like that. Same taste, same, same speaking manners. It's so alike, you might confuse one for the other. It's <laughs> amazing. Who knew? <laughs> But he and this lovely lady uh, have recently celebrated the birth of uh, of their son, and yeah. um, yesterday, yesterday, I, I, as of this recording, Saturday. yeah. And I, I'm so proud of them. I, I, my, my heartfelt uh, uh, congratulations goes out to them. Uh, I, I met Neo because of the Wonder um, years ago, and um, uh, Neo, yeah, any any words you wanted to share on this uh, momentous occasion? Oh, no, I mean, yeah, of course, grad- congratulations, and uh, this, uh, this is going to be a big kid, and I think he's... <laughs> we, we, we've already decided that he's going to have to play football for the University of Miami, so that's already been decided for him and stuff like that, but... Uh, yeah, no, no, it's uh, definitely been uh, an, an exciting thing, and um, you know, um... I think um, you know it's it's. I know that they're engaged, and I don't know when they're going to get married. I think it is something. Next, it's, it's next August, I believe. Yeah, I, I, I know that. I, yeah, I know there's not like a concrete date, so that yeah. that'd be good. So, uh, but yeah, congratulations to them. Congratulations to uh, Mitsugi and uh, them too. So that's that's always great. And congratulations I, for me. <laughs> Absolutely. We're being I would like to uh, extend my congratulations to uh, to everyone. And I've also heard that uh, Bill Whipton has been tapped to be the godfather. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm certain he'll be there at the christening. <laughs> uh, yes, he definitely will be. Given his wizardly words, man. <laughs> you know, it, 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 that would probably be a standing room event. I mean, because uh, I'm sure Bill Whipton would have a, a, a lot of... Um, a lot of insight and things uh, to um, you know to, to say right before the christening. So yeah, definitely some interesting stuff. 
Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, many congratulations to them and and and, um, and their family. And uh, um, outside of that, um, definitely peep these websites. Head on over where the magic happens. M A H Q dot net. That's the Mecca and Anime headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at Gundam dot net. That's right. It's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. A jack-of-all-trades otaku podcast hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche and our favorite pedal bear South, Pedro Cortez. And I know these two could give a damn, but uh, I recently have started to edit video in Sony Vegas. So um, expect uh, video reviews coming Thanks. up soon. Sony Vegas, yeah, I, I've abandoned Adobe Premiere because it's just too damn tough. But <laughs> I just started editing video in Sony Vegas. Uh, I, I, as you guys know, I put up a lot of uh, fighting game footage up on our uh, YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash shinstationfighttube. But um, as I had mentioned earlier, um, I, I, I'm really enjoying the, the most recent uh, anime of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And Nick the Stampede and myself just did a video review of the first episode. So you'll see the link for it in the information for this post. But definitely check it out if you enjoyed the show. And um, that's pretty much it for all I've got to say. And uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode, episode 111 of Gundam at MAHQ. And we'll see you guys next time. is a Shinjuku station and mahq.net joint.
They're coming to get you, Barbara. They're coming and they'll be here soon. Don't be afraid. They just want your brain. 